Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's Zach Goodman. Today's show brought to you by Pressbox Offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to pressboxonline.com offers to claim your incentive. Orioles taking on the Detroit Tigers last night, getting the victory 2-1 on a walk-off fielder's choice grounder from Adam Frazier. The Orioles winners of four in a row and eight of their last ten improved to 12-7 and seven and second place in the American League East. Uh, Zach, Tyler Wells, really good last night. Seven innings pitched, no runs allowed, just the one walk. Uh, he looked every bit as good as he's ever looked last night. The bullpen came in, and they were pretty staunch again. Although, Felix Bautista blows that save there in the in the top of the ninth inning. Um, offense has gone cold. Cold, 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 cold. They've scored seven runs in their last three games. Ryan Mountcastle had the base hit to start off things in the ninth with one out, but he's now, what, two for his last 25. Uh, Adley Rutschman, one for his last 19. Um... Actually, no, I think he's won for his last 23. Um, but just not... That's my fault. I picked him for take the race. Yeah, so I, I, that's I, my I, fault. I blame you, yes, OB. Um, but it's kind of... Not kind of. It is awesome that this team, despite the offensive woes and the shortcomings, have won four in a row. Yeah. Offense goes cold, and they just start... The pitching just suddenly steps up. 34 and two-thirds scoreless innings before Bautista gives up that RBI base hit to... Javi freaking Baez. Yeah, and you I, were you, you, that's your fault too because you were just <laughs> talking about how bad Javi Baez has been and how bad the Tigers are. Then they win you know, five in a row and Javi Baez gets the the, the game tying base hit last I'm night. I'm gonna blame it on the guy behind me at the game last night. He was screaming bum bum. Javi Baez is a bum, and Javi Baez could definitely hear him because it just wasn't the guy behind you or was the, that, was the that guy you? behind? No, it was, was definitely you? not me. It was that de- was you. I, I look, I'm not a big Javi Baez guy, but that was not me. So I'm gonna blame it on the guy behind me. Um, and yeah, Javi Baez is, has been one of the league's worst hitters this year. He's, I mean, he has been, his OPS was 500 coming into this game. His on base percentage is going to be probably under 300 for the remainder of his career. He's not a very good baseball player anymore. He's just not, he has some off the field antics on the field. He's okay. And he does that against Felix Bautista. I I think I, I was thinking about this the other day that, you're going to start seeing this more off Bautista given the fact that he really is a two-pitch pitcher and that if you're sitting on one of them and he throws it remotely in the zone, you might be able to hit it. I disagree. Really? I, I disagree okay. whole, wholeheartedly. Because, I mean, I think you saw it last night. Well, yeah, but that's because... On two occasions. But... but the splitter I, the splitter to lead off the inning and well, then the fastball right, that but that's, that's the, You'll see it if he doesn't have control of the splitter. But more often than not, he does. We have um, landscapers <laughs> right outside, of, like legitimately. Gotta a, love how close he came to the window. He right was there. a foot away from mm-hmm. me. He was a foot away from me. Yeah. He was literally just on the other side of the window. Still from is, us. yeah. Um, but Mariano Rivera was a one pitch pitcher. That's true. Only he was through, a, he only through cutters, right? He was a, he was a one pitch pitcher. So I don't think that I think that Bautista being able to throw 103 at times mm-hmm. with his fastball and then drop an 89 mile an hour splitter off the table is certainly unfair. The problem is that, and I blame um, whoever put up that graphic that said that that um, 
He had gotten 23 whiffs on 25 splitters this year. Ah, uh, yeah. And then he threw six straight before getting another whiff that um, yeah. on that pitch. If his splitter isn't moving the way it's supposed to, then yes, it's going to get hit. Sure. But that's that's true of any pitch yeah. that, that, that you throw. So I'm not going to say that we're going to see this a lot from him. The, the fact remains that he throws over 100 miles an hour. And good luck catching up with that. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, though, I think most professional hitters, if the ball is down the middle, can hit 100. Yeah, but he's not throwing it down the middle. He's not he, for the he, most he's, part. He's, he's not. He, usually he has 101 to 103 at the top of the zone. Yeah. And then he's, yeah. Tr- and then he's dropping that splitter off, off the table. I'm not, uh, again, if he throws... it. Again, if you throw anything right down the middle of the plate yeah, in the right. majors, it's more likely to get hit than not. Who was the player who, I'm blanking on his name at the moment, and blanking on even what team it was, but he threw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball just above the zone a little bit, and he was able to pull his hands up and put it in the center field for a base hit. I don't remember who it was, but it was not, it was something along, some, when, this year? It was, it was this year was sometime. It, was it against the Red Sox? It could have been. It could have been for Dugo, maybe. I don't remember who it was, but there are certain players who can do that. And Javi Baez, I, I just didn't expect to be one of them. That's... Yeah. It, he's not a guy who, for the past two two or three years, has been able to get to balls like that. That's just the yeah. way it's been. So for Javi Baez to do it is an even an even worse way to to end a ninth inning. But you know the Orioles still came back and saved it. So not not a huge deal in retrospect. Yeah, they they got the win. Felix Bautista picks up the win. He did uh, in in the game. I always think that that's so shitty. Part of my language that a closer can come in and blow a save. And then his team scores a winning run in the bottom half yeah. of the inning, and they get the win. Well, that's why wins are not a uh, how do I put it important stat at this point. Yeah, they're, an anti- in they're an antiquated stat. Yes. stat. Now, it's a team I, stat. What, 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 it is a team stat to a certain extent. You have to keep your team in a game to pick up a win. Yeah, you have to go at least five innings. You have to be leading the ball game. Yeah. So, if your team scores one run and you've given up none, like Dean Kramer, yeah. Dean Kramer earned a win. The other day, because they won one to nothing, and he took a shutout into the seventh inning. Yeah, he earned a win. That that's a quality win for Dean Kramer. Not a quality win if the Orioles win eight to six. He threw five innings and gave up five runs. Right. I mean, that, there, there's there's a difference. You know, I remember one year, um, uh, David Price was four and zero with a seven ninety nine ERA. Right. Exactly. I, you know, you could put Max Scherzer. Prime Max Scherzer in the 2018 Orioles, and he'd probably lose 10 or 13 games. But that wouldn't be a really good reflection of how Max Scherzer pitched. Mm-hmm. That would just be more of a reflection of how the Orioles played when he pitched. And that's right. that's just the way it is, I think, with, with wins and losses. So I'm not a you know I'm not going to say they're not important at all. They have their place, I guess. But for Felix Bautista, not really important win. How do you like. feel about the RBI? Uh, what, what do you mean by that? For the so, Adam uh, Frazier. So- no, 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 no. Just the RBI as a, oh, as, a, as, as, a stat? As, as a stat. There are so many people that say RBIs don't matter, and I'm like, how the hell don't RBIs matter? You're driving in runs, and what do you need to win the game? Runs. You need to sure. score more runs than your opponent. If you have a guy on third base and he scores 67% of the time when you're mm-hmm. up, you are good at driving in runs. I mean, I think it reflects your ability to drive and run, sure. It, it reflects your ability to hit with runners in the scoring position, and that's all important. Those are huge pieces to the game, but I don't necessarily think that it's also part of it, a part of what your team can do. I think, you know, if your team's not getting on base, you're not going to get nearly as many RBIs as, for, for example, you know, again, you put Manny Machado on the 2018 Orioles compared to the 2018 Dodgers. If he had been with them for the full year, he would have had more RBIs because the Dodgers got on base a lot more than the Orioles did that year. Mm. So that's just the way I look at it. It is reflective of what your team does as well. Yeah, but if you put Manny Machado batting fourth on your team or you put 
who was batting fourth for the or you put Jonathan VR batting fourth or, or after, sure. after those trades. Manny Machado is going to get more RBIs than Jonathan. No, that's not what I meant, though. Say he's no, I, I, I know what you yeah. meant. Yeah. I know what you meant. I, I understand the premise. I'm just of, saying of, it's of reflective it. of your team as well. Not, right. not only as an individual. right, but but I'm saying that even if the Orioles were, if the Orioles trade Manny Machado and then they bring in Jonathan VR and then they they get a couple of guys on base, chances are those guys are more likely to score with Manny Machado batting than Definitely. they are with Jonathan Definitely. VR batting. Yeah. So you can you, you can you, you can see it from both sides. Sure. Of the coin, yeah. Yeah. That's you fair. Know? Um. I think that that I understand that the, the RBI is a can be a team stat because you have to have guys on base to be able to drive them in, but you also have to be able to drive them in. Sure, you know, and I would much rather. No offense to Ryan Mountcastle, he's still one of the league leaders in in uh, baseball in RBIs, but I'd much rather have say. Jordan Alvarez batting yeah. fourth than Ryan Mountcastle. Just a little bit. Because I know that Jordan Alvarez is an overall better hitter, and he's yeah. going to drive in more runs if he's provided the same opportunities, in my opinion. Um, speaking of Ryan Mountcastle, mm-hmm. man, he seems to have gone back to the version of Ryan Mountcastle from last year through no fault of his own. You can't blame a guy for hitting eight balls over 100 miles an hour in the Chicago White Sox series and getting one hit in the series. Yeah, there's been a lot of bad luck. And, and then last night, he stroked a single into center field in his final at bat. He ended up scoring the game-winning run. But he had two other balls that he hit to right field yesterday that should have been base hits, but he hit them too hard, and they stayed up too long and got caught by the right fielder. This poor son of a gun. Um, <laughs> making Good save, Paul. Ma- making hard, hard contact. And nothing to show for it. He's batting like 206 now. Yeah, he's batting 210. Uh, his OBP is 233. Yeah, so, he's got to do more to walk. He's got to well, get on base Well, especially more. being that he's a three or four hitter every night. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing I was going to get to in the show at some point, is that the three and four hitters with Santander and Malcastle, who are basically there every night, I don't think there's been a different three and four every night than Ryan Malcastle mm-hmm. and Anthony Santander, unless Santander was hurt, which he was for one one or two games. Where he, he, had, he was out two, for two games. For the, with the back issue, but, correct. So it, was, it would be... One time it was uh, Ryan Mountcastle and James McCann. That's right. It was James uh, th- McCann. Three, yeah. three, four. But those are your everyday um, guys. Right. So you're, but no, and we talked about this all off season. Yep. Into spring training. Yeah. Into this year, that your three, four hitters have got to be better. You needed that middle of the order bat. Two hundred nine and two ten. And exactly, exactly. Your your three, four hitters are hitting two hundred nine yeah. and two ten. One of them has a two thirty three on base percentage, who's your usual four hitter. Yeah. And the other one, what's, what's on time there is on base percentage? He if, is if it's 289. 289. So, look, if you're Juan they should Soto... Be, he should be hitting 289. Juan right. Soto sucks. Juan, Juan Soto still has an OBP, though, probably like 350. Actually, I don't know about that. But he his, his on-base percentage is always drastically higher than his batting average. Dude, I, I'm to the point... You know, we'll get to Juan Soto in a second, but... No, you know what? We're going to talk about him right now. It's our show. We'll talk 351 about him. is his OBP. Yeah, Gunnar Henderson's on-base percentage is higher. Is it okay? Yeah, he's three, he's three seventy seven. Okay, I do not care how much Juan Soto walks anymore. I do not care because <laughs> if you walk one hundred and sixty times, that's cool, bro. You're betting one eighty nine. He's betting one seventy six actually. One seventy, but he's already walked. Uh, he has walked twenty times, which is leading all the major leagues. So yeah. 
there is that. I mean, look, Juan Soto, we can have a debate about him all day, but OPS Plus still shows he's a better than league average hitter, even with what he's doing. If he gets it above, if he starts hitting 230, 240, which is what I expect he'll do for the year, because that's basically what he did last year. Um, he's better than that. He's an incredible... Oh, he is. A he, lot better he, than that. He's way better than that. I don't know like why we give him a pass. Juan for, Soto for, and had a four, 465 on base percentage in uh, 2021. So mm-hmm. He hit he what, 289, right? He hit 313, 313 in 2021, yes. Did he really? Yep. With Washington. Wow. You know, I remember in 2021, he he didn't win the home run derby, but he, he put on a really good well, show. Well, he did win the home run derby. In 2021? Uh, he won it in, let's see. 2020, maybe. Baseball no, no, reference no. shows he won it, but I don't know what year it was. Anyway. I remember the one year. Because Pete Alonso won it back-to-back years. He won it in 2021 and, I believe, 2019. Did Soto win it last year? Soto might have been last year. I'm still looking. Give me one sec. But Juan Soto, I remember in 2021, he put on a really good showing in the All-Star, at, at the All-Star break in the Home Run Derby. And then he came out, because he was hitting like 240 at the All-Star 2022. break. 2022. Yeah. yeah, and he came out and was on fire. He hit like 350 the second half in 2021 to get that average up there. I thought the average was like 289. But then last year, he hit what, 240? He hit uh, a combined because he played for two teams. He, he combined, yeah, 242. 242 yeah. last year. and four, But still 401 OBP. Right. That's, that, that, that's an incredible that's, number that's, still. That's great, but imagine if he hit 300. Yeah, I mean, sure. That's you know, imagine if he hit, if he hit 275. I, I think that we give him a pass for, for his hit tool somehow diminishing. And I yeah, get it. I, I don't I, know. I, I, well, I don't get it because you can argue that he wasn't being protected because you you don't really care about pitching to Josh Bell when he was in D.C. the first half of last year. Well, I don't know, man. Josh Bell was amazing in D.C. Amazing. Yeah, he wasn't Manny Machado. He wasn't Manny Machado. I mean, and he wasn't Fernando <laughs> Tatis. And he wasn't Xander Bogarts. He was good in D.C. He was good. But he, uh, when he got traded, he had 14 home runs. But he hit... 301 with a 384 on base percentage. Okay. And his OPS was 877. Who I mean, would you rather pitch to, okay. Josh Bell or Manny Machado? Oh, Josh Bell. Exactly. Well, especially so, especially so, current Josh Bell, it, the way it, the season started off right. well for him. So, so um, Juan Soto goes to San Diego, and it's like, now he has even more protection around him. He's going to be a stud. Nope. Nope. That lineup is stacked, including Juan Soto, and he's hitting 176. Yeah. He's hitting 176 with a 351 on base It's hard percentage. to believe, really. It, but, it's... Yeah. Uh, it's um, the same thing that happened to him last year and the same thing that started to happen to him in 2021 until he turned it on in the second half. The hit tool's regressing. It, it, and th- until he turns it back on again. Now, if he goes out, it's the third week of April. I understand that. So if he goes back out um, in from May to August and hits 320 the rest of the way, okay, mm-hmm. is he going to do that? Because now we've seen a year and a half plus a month of deficiency of, of yeah. de- exactly so i don't i don't know for we're getting off on a tangent here but i just i, I like juan soto and i think he's way better than he's been how do you feel like cuz brandon hyde said that he thought that gunner henderson was being too selective too patient do you think that that's the case with Juan Soto, where maybe he's taking his pitch it could be and swinging at the wrong one you don't walk 20 times unless you're the one of the most patient hitters to, to play the game. That's just how it is. And Juan Soto has always been extremely selective, but his uh, you know his selectivity could be at a rate where it's just it's just too much right now, and that that could be certain. And Gunnar Henderson, I don't really necessarily agree with that from Brandon Hyde. I don't know if that's a good assessment. I think that's 
I think that's just trying to make excuses for something. I, I think being selective is a great thing always. I, See, I, I find it to be, maybe it can get a little too much in some scenarios. I don't think take, being selective taking, is a bad thing. The one of bad that made me, where it was the, the game that he said that, after that, the game that, there was a game, and then he said in the post in the post game press conference of that game that he thinks Gunner's being too selective. Yeah, there was an at bat in that game where he took consecutive fastballs right down the middle of the plate and didn't swing the swing the bat, didn't swing the bat. Yeah. Um, and so in that instance, I didn't like it. My knee jerk reaction when Brandon Hyde said that was, you have a guy who's twenty one years old. Yeah. He's struggling to hit. But he's getting on base still because he's willing He's willing to wait for his pitch and he's willing to take a walk. Now you're taking that kid and you're tell, telling him be more aggressive and now you're getting him to swing at pitches out, out of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. There was an at-bat a couple of games ago. I believe it was on uh, Wednesday. There was a pitch at his ankles, a breaking ball that came in at his ankles, and he tried to uppercut that thing and swung right through it. Mm-hmm. And that was a pitch that a week ago he wasn't swinging at. Yeah. And it makes me think, are you cutting off your nose to spite your face? Yeah, it certainly could be the case. The, I, I looked up the definition the of, of of that saying, and I'm not using it right, but I am. No, it, you are. It, it, you are. It, well, no, it's it's. are you hurt? It, it's when you're trying to hurt one thing and end up yeah. hurting yourself. Right. That t- yeah. type, type of thing. You're using it right. But he's not trying to hurt Gunnar Henderson by telling him to be more selective. Nah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, regardless. Gunnar Henderson... You get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying, totally. Uh, if Gunnar Henderson at this point, there's been a lot of swing and miss, which we mm-hmm. didn't expect to see from him. It, it's not something he did a lot in the minors. It, he wasn't a big swing and miss guy. He made contact with everything, and he got on base to a ridiculous level, and he's still doing that. 376 is beyond what you would believe with a, a one what 185 batting average. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe. But the swing and miss has been high, so when he's selecting his pitches to actually swing at, he's not making a lot of contact. You see the double last night, that's good. You oh, know that he smoke when he makes he, hard contact that ball. Yeah. Goes. Yeah, I mean that that was a great swing. And there were some other things last night that were not so great. I I couldn't tell cuz I was sitting kind of on the side. I was sitting in section 55, so I couldn't tell 100%, but it looked like his strikeout looking. The ball is basically right down the middle. That's it, it that's, wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. No. Okay, it, it, the, the the pitch was high and Oh, was it? Okay. And and outside. Okay. Uh, that umpire last night was god Awful. Yeah, he, he. Yeah, I could kind of tell. The, the umpires for the past few weeks for the Orioles the, the, have not um, been. The umpires in Washington all year, were horrible. They've been terrible. In but, Washington, they were horrible. Um, the the umpire last night gifted Tyler Wells a strikeout in the second inning where he called two pitches that were like six inches off the corner. Mm, yeah, so you just can't see that from where I'm sitting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's Gunnar Henderson's got to turn it on. Uh, but I, his leash is going to get longer. I think Dan Connolly mentioned that this morning. Who's going to be on the show later? He mentioned that the leash is only going to keep lengthening for Gunnar yeah. Henderson. Well, and the thing is, over the last week, he um, of the three guys that we did for take to rake last week, so uh, Adley Rutschman, Austin Hayes, and Gunnar Henderson. Henderson walked the most, struck out the least, and had the second most hits. Mm-hmm. He um he went four for fourteen this past week. So that's two eighty six, and he walked five. So t- and he and he walked five times, only struck out three times. Yeah. So to me, he's he's improving. Yeah, he's starting to get a little bit better. And I think two weeks from now, you're going to see him in a really hot streak. When does this turn into the Spencer Torkelson situation, though? It doesn't. You don't think it does? It doesn't. It doesn't because again, you're three weeks into the season, and you look at Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez. And yeah. Adley Rutschman, their first three weeks last year. True. And I get that he came up for 30 games last year. I understand that. And But they have tape on him now. 
You know what I mean? They have yeah. they have they have video on him now. They've learned how to pitch him, and so now he's got this is this is his rookie year. There's a reason why last year doesn't count as his rookie year. Yeah. Now now he has to make the adjustments at the big league level. Being twenty is tough. Being yeah. 21, 20 years old. He's I think he's twenty one, but twenty last year. He'll be twenty two in July. It's, okay, it, that's an incredibly tough time to make a you know a, and try to be a starter in the major leagues. It just is. You don't see many guys do it. I mean, A Rod came up at what eighteen, and that's just unprecedented. It doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, even twenty one is extremely young. He will struggle. We knew he was going to struggle a little bit. He's just got to get through it. And you're right. I don't think it will become this Spencer Torkelson situation. I don't expect that to be. Torkelson hasn't. You know, one of the most hyped prospects I've seen in a while. He hit everything at Arizona State. Yeah, everything. Uh, he's, he's and then he hit everything in the minors. He's right. He's not even. He doesn't even have a full season under his belt at the big league no. level. Yeah. And he's hitting right around 250 this year. Or coming been, going into the game last night, he was hitting like 242. He's been better. Been he's better. And, and he's going to get better. Better. He's going to get better. I have no no. He just doesn't walk. That's I mean, his OPP is two forty seven. Uh, That's it, the, it, the problem. It blows my mind when middle of the order hitters who have tons of power don't walk. I understand that in order to have that power and hit a lot of home runs, you have to be aggressive mm-hmm. and you have to, you have to swing at pitches. But you also have to like these guys don't want to throw you pitch. They don't want to throw you strikes. So make them throw you strikes. Yeah. It, it doesn't compute to me not, that, that that these guys don't walk more. It was like Mark Trumbo, uh, the year that he hit 47 home runs for the Orioles, his on base percentage was like 308, and he had he didn't have a sacri- he didn't have a sacrifice fly that year. In his first two years, wow. In his first two years in Baltimore, he had one sacrifice. fly. I did not know that. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. he he just uh, if you hit 45 freaking home runs, you should be getting on base at the 350 clip. Yeah. It, it is unacceptable to me for a guy to hit third or fourth in an order and not get on base at a three forty or higher. Club. Well, that's why guys like Vlad Guerrero and Jordan Alvarez are, are so you know they're so sought after. Yeah, it's hard to find. So let's let's talk a little bit about the pitching. Um, the bullpen has really solidified itself. Yenier Cano has come up and been a revelation. Mike Ballman has just been a stud since his second game of the season. Uh, Brian Baker has now gone, what, nine and two-thirds innings without giving up a run, and he's given up only two hits in the process. He looks like he thinks he can get every, anybody out. Yeah. He, I, and, yeah. Uh, I will give credit where credit's due, and I will eat crow on this one. After his first outing of the year, I was like, this dude sucks. He's- well, don't say that yet. We're still three weeks into April. I, yeah. I wouldn't say you're, you were completely off. Um, there's a lot, a lot of baseball to go. There's a lot of baseball, lot of to, baseball go, to go, but this is what he was doing at the end of last year, and it's what he's doing now. And he looks, he looks damn near unhittable. Not yeah, it was, it was really good last night. Yeah. Really, he's good. been really good since the second game of the season. Yeah, he's been really good. I'm not sure anyone made contact last night. I don't remember no. even he, he was, one or two foul balls. It was, it was pretty he was, dominant. He was, he was awesome last yeah. night. Him, Cano, Bauman have been really good. Cano, I'm more so like. It's still early because he's, oh, yeah. he's pitched in five games yeah. or four games. Um, Bauman, Baker, they've been doing it. Coulomb has been solid. Uh, Bautista in the back end, you think he's going to give up more runs because he only throws two pitches. I think that when his pitches are on, he's untouchable. Yeah. Um, so then you you come to the question, Tate and Givens are beginning rehab assignments this next coming week. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this with Stan in just a couple of minutes here. Who leaves? Who goes? Because Cienel Perez is out of options. Austin Voth is out of options. You like the length that they that 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 Voth and Aiken give you. Yeah. You know. Um, I think it's got to be Voth. You're going to DFA him. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's, I mean, he's retired nine straight batters. 
I know, I know. It's just you sign, especially with Michael Givens, and he would he would be the first one back. I would assume mm-hmm. that seems like it's going to be the case. You paid him what six million? Yeah, was it? It's hard to say that there are. It's hard to prove to Michael Givens that there aren't better players in the. He's going to go through a rehab assignment for sure, but they really can't delay it that much longer. Mm-hmm. They really can't delay it. Um, they're going to have to make a move. So Michael Givens is a legitimate relief pitcher with back-end experience he's it's got to be someone i think also both would have to be the guy i i would i would it's hard to delay it anymore because yeah, I, I think they've already delayed it i don't i mean you would have to think it would be perez really he's had one year of success yeah. he's been awful this year but he was really good last year he was but this year he's not and like he's he's on the exact opposite side of the spectrum now where he's walking everybody, he's yeah. giving up hits. He came in the other day, and I walked into the kitchen for like 30 seconds. I came in, there was one out and two guys on, and I was taking him out that quickly. And it's just like, you want him to have a longer leash because he had, historically he had one of the best seasons an Orioles reliever has ever had yeah. last year. This year, that's not the case. He's out of options. Both, on the other hand, is trending in the opposite direction, and he gives you length out of the bullpen, especially when you have a... a uh, some guys in your rotation who are in Braddish, four of your five starters right now are yeah. young guys without a ton of experience. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a couple of weeks before Tate and Givens are back, so we have a little bit of time. Something could happen. I hope not. This is a, a, Again, I hate to say it's a good problem to have because... Like they are until they aren't. I mean, yeah, it's kind of how it works you, out. You don't want to have really good guys wasting away in the minors. Yeah, at the end of the day, you might have to make a move. We're seeing Al Perez had a 1.4 ERA last year. Mm-hmm. 1.4. You yeah. know, like in this year, what is it? Seven. It is four and a half so four and far. A half. Uh, but you know, his his FIP is 3.22, so it shows he's probably pitched a little better than it shows. But his WHIP is 2.625, so not a good number. Not a good number you want to see there. But that's that's awful. Yeah, it's not good, but he's actually striking out more guys per nine than he was last year. So He said that he thinks he's throwing more strikes this year than last year, and that, and that might be what the problem is. It could be. So we got to get Stan, the fan, on the line. While Zach does that, I want to rem- remind you, O's fans, did you know that your fellow that one of your fellow fans is the owner of Birdland Sports? That's right. Josh Soroka from the Section 336 podcast is behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you. From the popular Birds Are Coming, Tees to unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs, Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride. And with prices more affordable than the big guys, you can support a small business run by one of your own. New this week at Birdland Sports, you can get your very own Homer Hose. Dong bong. Celebrate and stay hydrated all summer for just $15. Don't wait. Head to BirdlandSports.com today and show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports. Joining us now for his weekly segment, he is Stan the Fan. Charles Stan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Zach, and good morning, Paul. How are you guys? Doing well, especially since the Orioles have won four straight and eight of ten after their victory over the Tigers last night. Stan, it seems like the Orioles' offense was carrying the load, and then this past week they've scored seven runs in their last three games, but they've managed to win all three of those games, plus the game last Sunday. What does it say about this team that they're able to win when they're not pitching and win when they're not hitting? Uh, well, it shows that maybe the the uh, the sum is greater than the uh, you know the parts you know uh, individually. 
Um, this is a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. And what they're doing right now, what they're doing right now is taking care of business uh, the way the Tampa Bay Rays took care of business the first nine games of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would be nice if they continued by sweeping the Detroit Tigers. Uh, You know, that's the the, uh, Rays beat the the Nationals, the um, Tigers, and who was the other team in the first nine games? Wasn't it the Athletics? Athletics, Oakland. So they went... And we've done pretty much that. We uh, won two out of three against, or, or we won three out of four, mm-hmm. but we're in hand-to-hand combat in game four to, win, to come away with the series win. Uh, so if we hold court and, uh, you know, we beat the Nationals, sweat them, if we can sweep the Tigers, we're kind of holding court with uh, the Rays. Yeah, and then you got you got Boston coming in who doesn't exactly pitch uh, lights out. The offense is really good, but with the way the pitching is going, Stan, you have to feel pretty confident in the Orioles right now. I mean, you look at their last three starters in Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, and Tyler Wells. 19 and two-thirds innings of shutout baseball. The team as a whole went 34 and two-thirds innings scoreless uh, before Felix Bautista gave up that run with two outs in the ninth inning last night. Um, have you seen anything different from the pitching staff that has led them to take this step, this huge step forward, or again, do you think it's just a product of the teams that they're playing? I think it's a little bit the product. I, I don't believe the starting pitching efficiency is totally related to the teams you're perform, you know, you're pitching against. It certainly helped, but when you're talking about major league players and the confidence level they have, I don't think that uh, Dean Kramer goes out next week, say against the Red Sox, and goes, "Darn it, I'm I'm really nervous tonight because I only beat the Nationals." You know, I only yeah. pitched really well against the Nationals. I think confidence is sort of confidence, and you can build on that. Uh, I just think, you know, they are regressing, not backward. What's the word, the opposite of regression? They're sort of coming into their the way they pitched last year in the case of Bradish and Kramer, you know. Yeah, and it's something. And Wells has been, and Wells has been healthy, mm-hmm. and uh making me foolish for thinking uh, that he should have been in the bullpen. His one walk last night, Stan, was just his second walk of the season. His control has been impeccable. Yeah. And when he's healthy, yeah. he's one of the best. 16-2 and two is pretty impressive. Yeah. Strikeouts to walk. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, before we talk a little bit more about the pitching, Adam Frazier comes, out last, comes up last night, and he did strike out twice. But he's a big-time contact guy. He comes up with runners on first and third, and I tweeted out, I know he struck out twice tonight, but Adam Frazier is the guy you want up in this situation because he makes contact. Sure enough, the next pitch, he hits the ground to the first base. Mountcastle got a great jump uh, when the ball came off the bat. He scores on the fielder's choice grounder to walk it off. How important is it to a team to have a guy like Adam Frazier where, yeah, he's not going to hit 40 doubles and 20 home runs, but he's going to make contact at, at bat after at bat and give you an opportunity to do some things. How important is a guy like Adam Frazier? Well, he's pretty important. I mean, he's, he's a really nice player. I've, uh, you know, I've never seen him, you know, because uh, pretty much all of his career was in the National League. He was with Seattle briefly. But uh, he was with Pittsburgh in kind of relative obscurity, and then he was traded to the Padres. Um, he, he's an, a nice player. Like mm-hmm. he's a good compliment player 
and the fact that he gets the, the bat on the ball is important. They were very fortunate in that because Torkelson made an absolutely terrible throw to the plate he did. on that pitch. I will, on say, that ball. I will say, though, that Mountcastle's jump was so great that even if that throw is online, it's a bang-bang play at the plate. He may be called yeah, out. The throw was probably rushed when Torkelson looked up and saw how, you know, how much progress Mountcastle had made. But it's almost like he threw the ball thinking it was a force play at the plate. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. that's actually good analysis. He threw it on the back. He threw it totally to the, to the dugout, the Oriole dugout side of home plate. Mm-hmm. And, and Mountcastle slid in rather easily. Yeah, and I saw something, and I know I didn't put this in my notes, but I thought it was interesting. I saw something the other day that says that Ryan Mountcastle has the second-highest sprint speed on the team behind Jorge Mateo. He doesn't look that fast, but he is that fast. Has that been something that's impressed you his first few years in the majors? Yeah, he's, you know, the thing that's so tantalizing about him, and I mean, we can talk about him in great length because I'm endlessly frustrated by him. Uh, is he is just an absolute he, he's an athlete the way I remember Mike Schmidt was an athlete you know mm-hmm. so he's just got this amazing god gift talent of being a you know an elite athlete uh, but geez at the end of the day you just look up at those numbers and you go there's got to be more with this guy you know yeah and, and the the thing about it Stan is I get what you're saying, and I think that he and I also tweeted out last night that it looks like he's reverted to 2022 Ryan Mountcastle through no fault of his own. Stan, he had eight balls he hit over 100 miles an hour off the bat in Chicago, and none of them were base hits. When he finally did get a base hit, it ended up being a fielder's choice because he hit it so hard that the out left fielder had to play it on a short hop, and Mullins had to go back to the bag thinking that the ball was going to be caught, and he gets thrown out at third base, so it turns into a fielder's choice. Last night, he hit two line drives hard as can be in the right field that were caught because he hit them so hard they stayed up for the right fielder to catch him. I can't fault a guy for hitting a ball 100 miles an hour that goes into somebody's glove. You can't fault that, but uh, again, when you look up at the numbers, there's a we, we love Tyler Wells because of 16-2, and two, right? Mm-hmm. 16 strikeouts to two walks. Mountcastle's 20 strikeouts versus three walks. The average is yeah. 210. The on-base percentage is 233, and the OPS for a guy like that is 714. It's it's just the package. At the end of the day, is not a great package. Yeah, so and, uh, it's it's not. It doesn't appear that there's any sort of end to this. It's nice that he hits the ball hard, but at, at the end of the day, we're talking about results still. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I just wanted to look at the the sprint speed, sprint speed excuse me, numbers uh, after Paul mentioned them. Yeah. Jorge Mateo in the 99th percentile of sprint speed. But then you look at Malcastle in the 81st percentile, uh, according to Baseball Savant, and then Cedric Mullins all the way down the 68th percentile, which is not what we're used to seeing, but I just wanted to throw that out there. That's wow. the numbers. That's Austin good. Hayes right behind him at 66. So it's it's interesting to see that Cedric is is not quite as fast as he used to be at least yet you know three weeks into the year. Oh no, I saw mm-hmm. that I saw that about Cedric last year. That I was surprised at, at how low his sprint speed is. I think he's just quick, and I think he gets yeah, I think he fair. gets really good jumps. I think Cedric's just a really good base runner. So uh, which is why he ends up with more steals than you than somebody in the 68th percentile sprint speed would probably end up with. Now, Stan, I want to go back to the pitching here a little bit. Actually, you know what? Let's yeah. talk a little bit about Cedric Mullins since. Um, since Ryan, uh, Ryan, wow! Since Zach, Why, are they are they making him? Are they turning him into a pitcher? 
No, 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 no. But we did just bring you up said, Cedric. You said I wanted to talk about the pitching, and he said, actually, I want to talk about Cedric Mullins. Go ahead. Yeah, because uh, Zach brought him up, and um, seven-game hitting streak for Cedric Mullins. He has 14 walks. Him, uh, Rutschman, and Gunnar Henderson are on pace for over 100 walks this year. I think that's going to slow down a little bit. Cedric really had a big series in Boston and kind of slowed down. But again, he has a seven-game hitting streak since then. How valuable is Cedric Mullins to this team right now? And is he more valuable to this team as a player for the team or as a trade candidate down the line? Um, boy, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a very nice player, Cedric Mullins. You know, the, the numbers don't lie to you. You know, the 386 is important. Uh, we said how, how he's got nine stolen bases. He's getting on base, uh, and he plays a, a very good defense. Not quite as great a defender as I thought he was when I initially saw him a few years ago. Um, he seems to have regressed a little bit to me on the balls that are over his head. Um, he, he does get a great jump on balls, but the ball's over his head. He, he somehow seems to lose them, and when he jumps for balls – I'm not real confident he's going to come down with the ball. Yeah, you know, but but he's a he's a very important player on the team right now. Um, you know, the the only question I have is, is involving Cedric Mullins is, and I talked about this I, maybe with you last week, or maybe it was with Ross Grimsley and our guest this week. But uh, I remember asking a scout if Mateo really ends up being. This great. This was like last July or something like that. Mm -hmm. I said, can Jackson Holiday play center field? And he didn't miss a beat and said, yeah, he can play center field. So to me, that's sort of the one area where Mullins could go in a trade or something like that is if you're convinced. And by the way, Jackson Holiday, Luke told me last night on my way home from the game, hit two home runs yep, last he's night. He's in 404. Uh, for Delmarva. Yeah. So uh, it shouldn't be too long. I would think another two weeks before he's at Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. what I, do you think? Seemed, uh, I, I think that May 8th we're going to see some promotions. We're gonna, I think we're going to see him in Aberdeen, and I think we're going to see Hessen Kerstad go to um, uh, Why that? Why that date? Because so May eighth is a Monday. They always do the promotions on Mondays because it's, okay. it's, it's the okay. off day, and I think that that would be the earliest that they would move anybody. Okay. Yeah, and that sounds about right. Just about two weeks from now, yeah. you know, uh, that holiday. So holiday is going to be on this fast trajectory. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to snap our fingers and we're going to be going. Okay, he's he's just about ready. You know, because uh, he could easily end the season. He could end this season possibly at Norfolk if he's that good. That that's incredibly fast. Mm -hmm. But either way, this this decision is going to come it's going to converge with his progress as to what's going to happen with Mullins, what's going to happen with Mateo. And we'll, we'll know a lot more about Mateo the next, you know, two, three months this year. Uh, but boy, if he, if he continues playing the way he's played and can stay healthy, uh, that's a remarkable player. That's oh. a more valuable player than Cedric Mullins. Oh, Stan, I'll tell you, man, Jorge Mateo to this point in the year, he looks like he might be the best shortstop in the American League. Just, just yep. and it's it's a really 
early knee-jerk reaction? Because, again, we're in the third week of April. Yeah. But he's hitting... Yeah. 370 with an on-base percentage around 400. He's hitting the ball with power. Yep. He struggled on breaking balls last year. Now he's crushing breaking balls this year. He looks like the total package when it comes to a positional baseball player. Yep, and he's not somebody you just want to say, well, okay, we got Jackson Holiday coming up. Let's trade him to get a pitcher. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. He's not a guy you just now throw away because you've got a younger guy coming up. And it's not like he's 31. He's 27 years old. You know, in, in every great rebuild, doesn't it help to every once in a while get a fluke? And mm-hmm. that's what Mateo has started to look like for the Orioles, that they just somehow lucked into picking a guy up off the scrap heap because he was available, and you ended up with a star. It happens, yeah. you know. And the Orioles haven't had that happen in a long, long, long time. Yeah, and look, Mateo, at one point, he was the number one prospect in the Yankees system above Aaron Judge. He was one of the top prospects in all baseball. Yep. The Orioles yep. finally give him an opportunity to get 500, uh, 500 plate appearances in the season, and he's taken that from last year, taken his struggles, seemed to have made them strengths this year, and uh, again, he looks like a complete ball player right now. I'm interested to see how the rest of the season goes for him for sure. Um, now, yep. getting getting yep. back to the pitching side of things, and Stan, you were saying that you know we keep talking about uh, the Orioles need to trade for a front-line starting pitcher. Well, they have three pitchers who have gone uh, 19 and two-thirds shutout innings as, as starters. Um uh, Kyle Gibson has been reliable all season, and you're looking at these guys, and they're starting to pitch really, really well. Cole Irvin's in the minor leagues. You didn't trade for him for him to be a minor league pitcher for you. John Means is coming back. What are the Orioles going to do with their starting rotation if these guys continue to perform? Do they? Can you envision them going to a six-man rotation? I know it's not something that they really want to do, but you can't keep a guy in the, like Cole Irvin in the minors if he's performing well. Yeah, I would agree. I think there was a little bit of this notion that they, they've given up on Cole Irvin. Cole Irvin would not have been sent to the minors. They would have let him work out his problem at the major league level had the other starters at that moment in time been giving you length. But they had they knew they were going into a series and knew Keegan Aiken was going to go on the paternity list. You know, his wife's giving birth to a baby. And... um um they they knew that they needed to shore up the pitching staff. And unfortunately, you know, letting him, it wasn't a great look to me to have him talk to the media and then inform him that he was being sent down. You know, mm-hmm. it just looked very awkward, like the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. But yeah, you can understand that. That, that was going to be an unfortunate conversation to have with Cole Irvin. But uh, so far through one start, I think he let up two runs in six innings, mm-hmm. you know, three ERA. It, it's, an, it's, you know, all these problems are, are pleasant problems to have, really. They may not be pleasant for Michael Bauman, Austin Vos, Chanel Perez, but they're pleasant problems for management to have that they've got a plethora of options and ways that they can go right now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it certainly is, and it might need make you have to take some Alka Seltzer before bed every night. But uh, they they have guys who are performing, and not enough spots for all the guys that are performing. It is a nice problem to have. Now you mentioned um, Perez and Bauman and both. Dylan Tate and uh, Michael Givens are going on rehab assignments supposedly this coming week. They'll probably be back, and I would imagine Givens before Tate. I imagine Givens will be back in a week or two, whereas Tate might take a few more, a few weeks. 
But mm-hmm. how do you make room with you consider the fact that Felix Bautista is your closer? Mike Bauman hasn't given up a run since his first game. Baker hasn't given up a run since his first game. Cano has looked unhittable since he came up. Uh, Voth has retired nine straight uh, coming out of the bullpen. Really, your worst pitchers coming out of your bullpen right now are Keegan Aiken and CNL Perez. You like the length that Voth and Aiken give you, and Perez was phenomenal last year. And by the way, he's out of options, as is Voth. How do you make room for Tate and for Givens? Well, usually the way this works out is either an injury crops up somewhere, you mm-hmm. know, and now we're talking about two guys coming back from injury. So, yeah. you know, who knows who knows what the health situation will be in 10 days with Givens and maybe two and a half weeks with uh, Tate. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. But usually it boils down to who's got options. You know, mm-hmm. does Michael Bauman, Zach, does Michael Bauman have an option? I don't know. He does. I, I, he th- does. I think he would, yeah. Yeah, he has options. Yeah, I would think he would. Uh, yeah. I would think he'd be, you know, unfortunately for Mr. Bauman because he's a terrific guy, and it's great to see one of these guys. You know, five years ago, the, all the club was touting was how great Bauman and Lothar were. You know, maybe that was six or seven years ago. But it's great to see what Bauman can do. And by the way, he did it converting to being a relief pitcher and yep. accepting that and embracing that. So uh, I, I love Michael Bauman and I, you know, I don't think you're going to destroy him, but it could be any or Cano. Uh, I don't know. You know, so those two guys stand out for me. I don't think the club is going to give up on Perez, uh, you know, just yet. And I think both, He's an important swing man. They've got to get him straightened out where he's not giving up a home run in every appearance. But he's he's been valuable in an understated way, and it's hard to say a guy's valuable. What was his ERA is eight, I think, something like that right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I, know, I, know, I know Aiken's yeah, ERA is 831, but both I yeah. don't have in front of me. Whose ERA is 831? Keegan Aiken. Aiken, Aiken. Yes, he is. He's eight thirty-one. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so Aiken, Aiken, and uh, Bauman and Cano are somehow those are the most vulnerable guys to me at this point. I don't think the key. I think Chris Holt and his team are going to work on figuring out how to get Perez turned around. Yeah rather than abandoning him at this point in time. Well, yeah, and they, they would have to. Otherwise, they're going to lose him because they would have to DFA him to try and, and get yeah. him to clear waivers. Oh, no, there's no question. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I, I think that he is going to stick, but maybe they start using him in um, lower leverage situations. Uh, you mentioned yeah, for both. for a little while until he gets turned around. Yeah. yeah, and both, he's had six appearances. He gave up a home run in each of his first five, but he's retired his last nine batters, so he seems to be trending up. Uh, Keegan Aiken stands to me. I think he's, for me, is the most likely to go simply because he allowed 37% of inherited runners to score last year, which was the highest mark on the team. League average was 31%. And he's allowed, I, I want to say, uh, three of four inherited runners to score this year to this mm-hmm. point. The ERA is 8 Yeah, the numbers haven't been good with Aiken. No question about it. Yeah, I would imagine that, that he might have the shortest leash simply because there's nobody else is pitching as poorly as him. Um, yeah. Before we let you go, I do want to talk about... Is he out of, is he out of options, Aiken? No, he's got options. He's got options. Okay. So, he would be the guy. I'm sorry. I've, uh, I misread one of his stats. Okay. Yeah, um, he would be the, the lead guy. 
at this point in time. By the way, I have one question for you, and I know you've got a tight schedule today. Sure. I heard you guys t- this morning. You weren't talking at all about Bautista's one problem he has in his game right now, and that is holding runners on first base. That's terrible. He, he is can, so he, bad he, at he it. He cannot. He, he never cannot seems to check them. Just he 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 cannot. The the margin for error. Look, listen. He comes. He only comes into games. He's never going to come in when there's a four or five run lead. He's going to come in with a one run lead or a two run lead mm-hmm. at most, almost every occasion. You cannot let them just walk down to second base and give them the the uh, the ability to be in scoring position. It's just terrible. And I brought it up in the post game press conference last night. And I understand Hyde's not going to get into knocking a player, right? So he just sort of brushed it off that, well, he's a big guy and he's got a lot of moving parts and he's slow, you know, he's a little slow to the plate, but, you know, uh, it's, there's got to be some kind of cognizance on the part of the club that we've got to, we've got to stop that, you know, yeah, that you, you just can't let it. It's one thing if they're successful, it's another thing giving them bases and it's just terrible. Has he ever thrown over? I'm not sure I've ever seen him throw over. I don't know. I'll be honest with yeah. you. I think I've seen him, but it's like sort of such a token toss. Yeah. a couple times I think I've seen. It's just it's it's not it's not acceptable. It's really unacceptable for a relief pitcher to allow that to happen. Yeah. No. I I um I agree with you honestly. I, and I I tweeted it out last night that he just lets these guys take take second base. The 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 leg kick is high, the the delivery is deliberate and slow. He gives Rutschman You can't change you're not gonna change the delivery. You can't what you're gonna change is what you're gonna change is either having an occasional throw over and we know the new rule or you've gotta get you gotta you gotta preemptively, proactively Get out, guess the opposition, and do pitch outs yep. with him. Yep, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I agree. I agree. All right, Sam. Before we let you go, I do want to ask you, and I didn't put it yep. in my notes because I forgot that it happened, but I do want to talk about this. Zach's going to sound off on this in a couple of minutes. Max Scherzer gets thrown out of the game in the third inning the other day for having too much sticky substance on his hand. He had been yep. he had been warned about it. Um, the previous inning, they asked him to switch gloves. They had him wash his hands once. They had him wash his hands a second time. When he reapplied the rosin to his hands, he did it in front of an MLB official. He comes out to ask him to change the glove. He changes the glove. Phil Cuzzy, who's the only umpire to ever throw a pitcher out of the game, he's thrown all three have been thrown out for having a sticky substance. He throws out Scherzer, who's screaming at him, it's rosin, it's rosin, it's rosin. Again, did it in front of a major league official and still gets thrown out and now has a 10-game suspension. What are your thoughts on Max Scherzer and this whole situation going down with him? Uh, this is an area I don't, I don't even know what to say. It's just such a – it's such a bit – did he get thrown out? But, but, I mean, I know he got thrown out of the game for that. Is he getting a suspension automatically yes, because he, he t- had sticky stuff? He took it. He so took it's not a ten game suspension. He, it's not something he did by his his anger or op. You know, no, they, none of that stuff. It's something they yeah. they it, introduced this year for to be to really yeah. crack down on it even more. Well, it's a it's a really screwy situation. I, I believe he probably did have too much sticky stuff on his you know 
uh, I was talking to Palmer about this. You know, in the old days, Palmer said he used to have his own rosin bag in his back pocket, but mm-hmm. you couldn't do that today uh, because once the rosin gets wet, you know, in a rainy situation, it's pretty much useless. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I don't, I don't really know what to say. It's, it's ridiculous that an MLB official watched him do that and said, "Okay, you're good to go." You know, I'm assuming that's why. He, the MLB official watches him do that, yep. uh, and then he comes back and it's stickier. It's a it's a messy situation, uh, or if you want to call it a sticky situation. <laughs> but Scherzer, there's no question they can't afford him down ten days right now. Although they did get a great return performance last night by Joey Lucchese, seven shutout innings against the Giants. Yeah, it's it's something that's interesting because I don't think that Max Scherzer necessarily did anything wrong, especially if he did it in front of the official. I, I don't think that Max Scherzer is suddenly a worse pitcher now because of, because of all this. So I, I don't know what to make of it, but Zach's about to sound off on it, so I just wanted to get your take all right. before we let you go. What do you got coming up this week? Uh, not sure what we've got. Monday night, Ross and I always delve into it later in the week, and we've postponed our show for Thursday night. I erroneously rescheduled somebody into that slot because of the NFL draft. Gotcha. Everybody's going to be paying attention to that. All right, Sam. Well, you enjoy the NFL draft. Enjoy the rest of the weekend of Orioles baseball. We'll talk to you All next right. week. Power rankings Power rankings out on uh, Monday morning. Okay? All right, absolutely. We'll look forward have, to it. Have a great weekend. You All too. Right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. That was Stan the Fan, Charles, who continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with former Orioles pitcher Mike Boddicker, while Stan also chatted with fantasy pros, NFL draft analyst Ken Zalas. You can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back this Monday night for a another great show. So what we're going to do is we're going to catch a break. We're going to come back. Zach's going to sound off and we'll lead that into the payoff pitch around the league. That is next on the Batter Round. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com That first sip That first bite 
Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around as we approach our number two here. Today's show brought to you by Press Box Online. Offers baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get five second chance bets at points bet when you deposit and bet your first $50. Just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. And now, Zach is going to give his take on um, the Mac Scherzer debacle um, and tell us his thoughts because to me it's not a huge deal but Zach I, I don't know your thoughts so I actually have a bigger problem than just the suspension I think there's an unfair rule in Major League Baseball with this entire thing and that's that the Mets for the remainder of the the April month uh, only get to carry 25 players on the roster because Max Scherzer cannot be replaced on the roster because he is a oh that's player. stupid that's a horrible rule I'm, I, I just want to come out there and say that that is it's so unfair to the Mets, and so unfair to Max Scherzer, really, and he's not going to be able to appeal. Uh, Max Scherzer did not appeal, and the reason for that is because he learned that if he did appeal, he would be in front of an MLB official who would then make the decision, which is not really a, any chance of winning. He basically came out and said, like, I, I have zero chance of winning this appeal. Why even make the appeal? That's another horrible you know, part about this. Max Scherzer might have done something wrong. We don't really know. We, we, he says he swears on his kid's life that he didn't use an illegal substance. That's what he said in his post-game press conference. That's pretty convincing. I mean, I think to anyone, that's, that's pretty convincing. But pitchers use rosin every single day. Now, if Max Scherzer was using rosin in a more... Uh, I, I, what's the word for it? If he was using more of it than most pitchers do, and he was intentionally mixing it with sweat or something along those lines, which is what we think happened... I can see why the MLB umpires would at least want to check it out. But the fact that there is no way for them to tell whether he's doing something wrong or not, and they automatically just, you know, because they really can't tell if it's rosin or not, just give him a suspension is horrible to me. Mm. It's horrible to me. Well, so they, it, they, they stopped him. There's got to be some scientific process for this. You can't just look at it and go, oh, that's that's not rosin. Yeah, I, I, is that what they did? I mean, that's it. He was arguing with them, and they were, you know, not not checking. They were not really doing anything. Obviously, they get checked after every single inning. So, one of them clearly thought that what he was using wasn't rosin. But to me, there's got to be a better process than that. There's got to be. You can't just look at something and feel something and say that it's not. Because if Max Scherzer saying he's swearing at a kid's life, then it, it, it then they're probably wrong. They're probably wrong. 
Yeah, and if he's screaming at the guy, it's Rosin. So from my understanding, they checked him at the end of the second inning. Yeah. They told him, they checked him, they told him he had to go wash off his yep. hands. Yep, Then they checked him again as he came out for the top of the third. Every inning they check, right, yeah. And But they checked him coming into the game. Coming into the inning, usually right, but, it's at the end of the inning. So they wanted him to, uh, they wanted him to try to fix the the situation. They wanted him to wash it off. They wanted he, so he went into the clubhouse and he did what they said, which is also what he said in his post game press conference. Mm-hmm. He said, "I did everything they said, and I came back out, and they still hunted me down, and you know, th- thought the situation." We, we got the, the lawn mowing crew out here again. Literally right outside <laughs> of our door. Uh, and they thought the situation was completely different than it was. Max Scherzer complied with what they wanted. And again, this is not a scientific process where these guys are figuring out exactly what's going on. Th- this was just horrible. I-, I think everything about this was such a bad look for Major League Baseball and such a bad look for the umpiring crews, considering there's been so much you know turmoil with them in the past few years anyway with, with the calls they've made, especially behind the plate. It's... These rules need to be amended, and especially the one that allows the Mets only to have 25 players for the rest of the month until Max Scherzer returns on May 1st. That's horrible. So Joey Lucchese comes up last night. Yeah, sure, he throws you know seven innings, and he throws a gem. He was great. By the way, I was watching that game after I got back from the Orioles game. He was tossing 90-91 and just getting Giants out. I, I don't know what's going on with the Giants this year, but it's... Uh, uh, they're not very good. Not, they're, not, their best player... <laughs> they're not very good. Their, their best player is jock peterson who everybody so many people wanted jock peterson in baltimore and i was like the year that he just had is his best overall year ever yeah it was he's not going to do that again i was like like he hit 279 or something like that last year with what 27 home runs it was really really good but 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 Literally, when he has his good years, it's immediately follow, followed by a mediocre or worse year. Yep. I have no doubts that Jock Peterson's going to hit 230 with 23 home runs this year. I yeah. have, I have, and he's going to strike out 170 times. With Jock Peterson, he's always going to hit home runs, but there's, you know, the on-base percentage, the batting average, sure to drop. Um, the the one thing I have left on this topic is that I, you know, I'm not a big proponent of banning sticky stuff. I I think the whole thing last year. Uh, and doing it in the middle of the year as they did was a little bit weird. And you know now you've got guys being checked after every single inning. I think it made the game more fun. You see Corbin Burns throwing these ridiculous sliders. Garrett Cole throwing... Guys are made better by it. I get that. And it's an unfair advantage in some ways. But I think it just makes the game more fun. And it, to, to ban Max Scherzer from the league for 10 days, uh, to suspend him for 10 days over what probably wasn't even sticky stuff, it's just it's a travesty, and then the Mets rule again. I don't like that either. But there, there's a number of things I'm upset with here. Uh, I, I I just think the whole the whole situation is not really a great look for Major League Baseball. Yeah, what Max Scherzer is arguably one top three four pitchers in the game yeah. right now, despite being 40 years old. Yeah, and which is unreal, by the way. And you know that he doesn't need to. He's won three Cy Youngs, and he's won one in each league. Yeah. He doesn't need sticky stuff, and he's not no. gonna. He's not at this point in his career. He's not gonna do anything to tarnish his legacy. He ain't Roger. That, that's part of my point too. You know, like I have no doubts, and you saw how adamant he was. Yeah. Like they made him switch gloves. He switched gloves. They yep. checked the new glove. They made him. They, he they, washed they, it off. He washed it off. They sent him back, and he did this in front of a major league official. He comes out. They're checking him again. It was almost like they had a vendetta yeah. against him. Not that I think that they did, but. And, and, and I think it's worth noting, again, that Phil Cuzzy is the only umpire that's ever ejected a, a pitcher for having a substance, and he's done it three times. Paul, I'm curious, actually, because you pitch. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about the rule, 
uh, and this is not really related, but that you can't lick your finger and then go straight to the ball. You have to wipe it on your pants first. Mm-hmm. I always, so I when I pitched in high school, I thought that was a ridiculous rule because when it was you know thirty degrees out, as it was a lot in March uh, when we started playing, that it's not really easy to grip a baseball without doing that. Is this part? Is that part of a rule you'd like to see amended too? I have never done anything like that to pitch. You've never licked your hand before. I, I've never licked my finger, really? my, my hand to pitch. Okay. I've never used a substance. I've used rosin. Mm-hmm. I've used rosin. I actually or, never did. Or, or, I, or I'll take mud. Or I'll, I'll take dirt from the mound and I'll rub it on the baseball okay. and then I'll rub the ball down. But I've never licked my fingers to throw a pitch. I've never done anything like that. Hmm. Even if it's like, if I'm in the middle of a game and maybe I have sweat like on my on my face somewhere or if it's cold and I have a little something come out of my nose and I have to wipe it real quick, I will always wipe my hand on my pants Mm -hmm. just instinctively. Um, I've never used a substance to, I, (laughs) I sound like Barry Bonds. I've, (laughs) I've never, I've never used a a substance to throw a pitch. We've noticed over the last three years, the batter on your head has slightly gotten bigger as we've gone on. Which head? That's a, t- oh, <laughs> a topic man. for another day. Grayson, the big rod. The right big here. rod. <laughs> the big rod. No. So uh, uh, for, if a guy licks his finger, I don't think that licking your fingers is going to do enough to do anything to make the ball move that, that's sig- what I think si- too. significantly. Now, I've always if, thought that rule If a guy horrible. just sitting here, spitting on uh, the baseball. That's a different, different okay, story. Okay. But um, the spider, spider tack stuff that they used. Did you see that? That's the spider tack. Oh, it was crazy. I, I, I mean, I think it was a, a clear indictment on it when um, there was a ball when Yadier Molina was catching in the game. There was a, a pitch that was bounced in, and somebody stole a base on it, and he couldn't find the baseball because it had so much sticky stuff on yeah. it. It stuck to his chest protector. Wow. Yeah. It stuck, and he couldn't find. It. He didn't realize it was stuck to his chest protector. I'll ask this though: since they banned the sticky stuff, have you seen a drastic difference in offense? Garrett, in, uh, in offense, I haven't paid attention, but I've noticed Garrett Cole's gotten significantly worse. Oh, Garrett Cole has for sure, and there mm-hmm. are, there are many other and pitchers. Paul Fry. Yeah, Paul Fry is a great example. Um, Corbin Burns is also uh, he's still a great pitcher, but he, with sticky stuff, Corbin Burns was one of the most nasty pitchers I've ever ever watched in my life. But I I think that. I don't see a drastic difference in offense. And that's why I'm not a huge proponent of banning it. Um, like, I, you're not seeing, you know, 50 more home runs a year. And maybe you are. I mean, I, I'm not looking at the numbers for this. I'd have to find the numbers, and I don't know if that's even a thing um, that we can find. But I guess you'd have to, to look up the sample sizes of, you know, 100 games before and 100 games after and compare them. But I, I don't know. I, I, it's not, to me, a, a huge issue. I don't know. I I I'd have to look. I'd have to okay. start specifically paying attention. I do think offense is up this year, but that has that has to do with a lot of stolen bases too. Which a lot I'm, of stolen bases. They banned the shifts, so you're getting more yeah. base hits, and you can't throw you, you can't throw over more than twice without getting yeah. charged with the ball if you don't pick the guy off the third time. Um, I do think that the baseball is a little juiced again this year okay. to add to the offense. So I haven't. I think the offense is up, but I don't know if it's more so because of the rule changes they, that they've implemented yeah. or if it is because of um, the, the sticky stuff. Now, they banned the sticky stuff starting in, I believe it was June of 2021. I think that's right. Right? right? Yeah. So if it was June of 2021, and I noticed that John Means after that got a little worse yep. for a little bit. Uh, Garrett Cole definitely got worse. And you know what? That brings me up. That brings a point to me. I want to I wanna ask you. Um... So we were talking, I was on Twitter last weekend, I believe it was Sunday, Grayson Rodriguez's start, okay. and Garrett Cole threw like a two-hit shutout. And some guy, 
Well, I, I, I think I saw this show. They, they were he was, they were talking about. I, I, oh, I referred to Dylan Cease as a Cy Young favorite. Yes, I did see. And this, the yeah. guy was like, "In what a, world is he in, a Cy Young favorite?" In the world where he finished second in Cy Young voting last year, led the American League, I yeah. believe, in ERA and in strikeouts yeah. last year, and he was dominant his first few starts this year. And he's like, Garrett Cole is, it has to be the Cy Young favorite. And I'm like, Garrett Cole isn't even the best pitcher on his own team. Garrett Cole hasn't really been a top five pitcher for three years. His ERA is like, Since point, he was in his Houston. ERA is like .64 right now or something like that. Or really? Point, or .94. Okay. But he's going today against the Blue Jays, and a lot of Blue Jays have had a lot of success against Garrett Cole. Uh, I, to me, Nestor, Cor- Nestor Cortez was worth two more wins. Um, yeah, he's better. Than, he was get, better than Garrett Cole last year. Rodon, whenever the hell he comes back, I think he's better than Garrett Cole at, the, at this point. He just has to be able to stay healthy. I think there are a lot of pitchers better than Garrett Cole. So, I mean, so, through four starts, he has a .95 ERA, and his whip is .741. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Now, who, but, who who is he faced? Look up his game log. Who is who is he faced? Okay, I can do that. Uh, let's see. So, so far, he's had uh, the Giants, the Phillies, the Guardians and the Twins in his four games so far. The Phillies are the only offense that I think out of those four that are that's formidable. The, the Twins have a couple of good players. Yeah. The Guardians have... They're a complete game against the... Uh, complete game shutout against the Twins. Yeah, I I mean, Carlos Correa isn't hitting yet, and Joey Gallo, he might be their best overall offensive player right now, and he's Joey Gallo, yeah. right? Name somebody on the Twins that, that is having an offensive season that's anything other than mediocre. I can't think of one. I mean, you could look yeah. up. The, I mean, if you want to, I mean, you could look up. Their They're not having and, the, the offense has not been going for them so far. No, yeah. no. You're right. So I, um, I don't know. Gave up two runs to Cleveland over seven. Um, I think Cleveland's a got a, Cleveland's got a good offense. I wouldn't consider them great. I don't see anybody. Especially with Josh Bell struggling as he is. Yeah. Josh Bell's struggling. Jose Ramirez is obviously He's the been best really player. Good, yeah. I haven't heard anything about Stephen Kwan. How's he doing? Uh, Stephen Kwan's has been okay. Um, and then you look at, uh, Who's the name I'm looking for here? Um, Josh Naylor has you know has hit a few home runs early in the year, but the the average always dips down for Josh Naylor. Uh, but yeah, Stephen Stephen Kwan right now is OBP is 352, but he's only batting 247. So yeah, uh, he's a singles hitter. He's he's a singles hitter. He's a, he's a good leadoff hitter. He gets on base. You know, walks a lot. Uh, Andres Jimenez is always good. Last year a seven seven point three WAR player. Andres Jimenez was. Um, last year he hit 297, 17 home runs, 837 OPS. This year he's off to a good start, 278, uh, 350 on base percentage. So he, he's he's been off to a good start. But yeah, last year Andres Jimenez, 7.4 WAR player. So there are some guys he in was that a seven and a seven, half win seven player, and a half last year? player. Yeah, holy yeah. crap! There are some guys in that Cleveland lineup, and he's already no, I, he's already I, at one this year. I, uh, Jimenez. I, I, so I think that that team. Has a good young offense. Oh, they do. I, I think, they do. And their pitching staff is Will, really good. Will Brennan, Oscar Gonzalez. There are some guys. Uh, it's just going to take a, you know take a little while, I think, for some of these guys to develop. But Jose Ramirez leads the offense, you know, day in day out. And then once Bo Naylor comes up, is, is uh, Josh Naylor's brother, and, and gives him a little bit of a boost at the catcher position. By the way, Logan Allen making his major league debut uh, today for the Guardians. Uh, um, the, the second Logan Allen to pitch for the Guardians. I was gonna, I was gonna say Logan Allen. Wasn't yeah. he a reliever? There, there was a Logan Allen uh, who came up for the Guardians, I think, three years ago or so, and then he was an Oriole at one point. The mm-hmm. Orioles claimed him off waivers. This is a different Logan Allen, a much, much better Logan Allen, and one they expect to be a a one or two, a one or two. He, he's going to be based on his minor league numbers. He's been excellent, been a top prospect, top one hundred guy for a while. This is going to be a guy who's who's going to do well in the major leagues. So he'll make his major league debut today. Nice. Nice. 
All right. <laughs> you don't seem that enthused by that. No, um, I, or maybe, I, maybe I, I, so actually, I, I'm, I'm corrected. Bieber and Plesak go in a doubleheader today. I thought it was going to be Logan Allen today, but well, he is coming up. He is getting called up. He, so he, we'll, we'll see when he actually makes his debut. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. May, maybe tomorrow. Uh, we're going to get into more about young pitchers, about the Orioles, about the league in general. Sunday, uh, but, yes. But you're, you're first... Brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It is now the payoff pitch around... Hang on. Sorry. Let me start that. Around the league. uh, The payoff pitch around the league. Tyler Wells became the third straight Orioles starter, tossed at least six shutout innings, going seven for the home team, and Austin Hayes homered. But it was Austin. It was Adam Frazier's walk-off fielder's choice grounder in the bottom of the ninth to score Ryan Mountcastle to put the Orioles over the Tigers two to one. Drew Smiley took a perfect game into the eighth inning and struck out ten, while Cody Bellinger and Trey Mancini hit back-to-back home runs to lead the Cubs to a one-hitter victory over the Dodgers, thirteen to nothing. Connor Joe had three hits, and Mitch Keller allowed two runs and six solid innings to improve the surprise Pirates to fourteen and seven with a four-to-two win over the Reds. Tampa Bay scored three runs in the ninth, the last two coming on a Brandon Lau walk-off home run as the MLB, MLB best 17-3 race stunned the White Sox 8-7 at the Trop. Vladdy homered and drove in two, Brandon Belt homered and drove in four, and Yusei Kikuchi continued his resurgence, tossing six innings of one-run ball to improve to 3-0 as, as the Blue Jays stymied the Yankees 6-1. Kyle Schwarber homered in the seventh to tie the game at three, and then Mundo Sosa lined an RBI single to left in the eighth to lead the Phillies past the Rockies 4-3. The Marlins and Guardians were postponed. The game will be made up as part of a doubleheader today with the first game beginning at 3.10 Eastern Standard Time. Jordan Alvarez did what Jordan Alvarez does, playing the hero once again with a go-ahead two-run homer in the top of the ninth to lead the Astros over the Braves 6-4. The A's got 11 Ks from J.P. Sears, but it was Jordan Diaz with a pinch-hit home run in the ninth in the top of the ninth that stole the show, pushing the A's past the first-place Rangers 5-4. Alex Verdugo proved to be the difference for the Red Sox, doubling and homering and driving in two as Boston took down the Brewers 5-3. Trevor Williams allowed two runs over six innings, and Joey Menezes homered as the Nationals stopped the Twins 3-2. Shohei Otani struck out 11 while, while allowing just two hits and seven shutout innings, and catcher Chad Wallach had a two-run homer to provide all the scoring in a 2-0 Angels victory over the Royals. Cattell Marte had three hits and two RBIs, and Zach Gallon struck out you guessed it, 11 over seven shutout innings in the D-backs 9-0 victory over the Padres. Teoscar Hernandez homered and doubled, and George Kirby tossed six solid innings as the Mariners took down the Cardinals 5-2, and finally Will Lucchese struck out 9 over 7 shutout innings, and Pete Alonso hit his 10th home run, driving in 4 as the Mets shut out the Giants 7 to nothing. A couple of things, lot of really, really good pitching performances yesterday. Yeah. Like, Tyler Wells went 7 shutout innings, and it was like the 5th best performance right. of the day. The Cardinals and the Mariners really underperforming. To this and point the Dodgers and, and, as well. And, and, well but we lost thirteen nothing to the Cubs yesterday. Stan has been talking about the Dodgers, about how he thinks they're a middling team, mm-hmm. and so far they're ten and ten. Yeah. So far he's yeah. right. And then you also look at how in the hell are the Pittsburgh Pirates fourteen and seven, fourteen and seven leading the, uh, the it's NL Central. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe the, the Cardinals have been really bad, and it's they'll turn it around. They're one of those teams where I'm pretty confident they will. They will be back. Yeah, too. Uh, they're they're eight. And Jack 12. Flaherty's been really good too. Yeah, they're they're eight and twelve. You have to believe that Stephen Matz is going to get better. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I mean, Goldschmidt's hitting two ninety six. Arnado's hitting two ninety one. Where's uh Tyler O'Neill? Is he hurt? I, I that's a good question. I don't know. 
I, I haven't heard heard or seen. Any, I mean, this is a guy who who was a six and a half win player yeah. two years ago. Yeah. Last year, absolutely fell off a cliff, and now I've never I haven't heard of him heard from him this year, and he's not in the lineup. I I, I mean. Uh, Walker, Jordan Walker. Jordan it? Walker. He's Jordan been Walker, really good. He's been really good. I think yeah. he started the year his career on like a fourteen game hitting streak. Yeah, he, he's twenty years old. Uh, yeah, he's, he's in two seventy one. Drove in two two last night with a, with a double. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing to me just how off kilter this season seems yeah. uh, to start. I mean, the Texas Rangers are leading the the AL West. Uh, the Mariners, who made the playoffs last year, they were nine. They're nine and eleven. The Astros are ten and ten. Um, it just kind of seems it's been backwards. a weird it's been a weird start to the year and that's why April baseball is so confusing because mm-hmm. you know Tim Beckham looked like a, a couple years ago uh, and we talked about Eric Thames as you know the greatest player of all time in April uh, Tim Beckham looked like he was gonna win MVP uh, a couple Aprils ago so so things are weird you know it, it just it, these things even out and it'll happen sooner rather than later yeah I agree I agree all right Zach uh, what's on tap across Major League Baseball? As we alluded to, Garrett Cole goes today at home against the Blue Jays. Alec Manoa will go for them, 105 in the Bronx. Chad Cool, he'll take on Pablo Lopez. Lopez has got a 1.7 ERA so far. He's been really good. 210, target field, Nats, and Twins. Dodgers and Cubs will go. Dustin May, Hayden Wesneski, 220 at Wrigley. Kyle Freeland, Christopher Sanchez, who makes his first start of the year. Rockies and Phillies, 305 at Citizens Bank Park in Philly. Marlins starting to be determined. Determined Guardians starting Shane Bieber 310 in Cleveland at Progressive Field. Braxton Garrett in Game 2. Zach Plesak uh, will go for the Guardians at Progressive Field to be determined on the time, but that's Game 2 of the Marlins-Guardians doubleheader. Uh, and again, Logan Allen will make his Major League debut tomorrow, so excuse me on that one. David Peterson for the Mets. He'll take on Logan Webb for the Giants 405 in San Fran at Oracle Park. Dylan Cease. Uh, who is never in a Cy Young conversation, according to that guy on Twitter, against Shane McClanahan, who's always in the Cy Young conversation. 405 at the Trop, White Sox and Rays. Luis Sessa takes on Rich Hill, Reds and Pirates, 635 at PNC Park. Joey Wentz takes on the Orioles as they'll start Kyle Gibson, 705 at Camden Yards right here in Baltimore, Tigers and Orioles. Shit. I, I swear, Shintaro Fujinami pitches every single uh, every single Saturday. <laughs> I, I'm always saying this guy's name on Saturday. He'll take on Andrew Heaney, A's and Rangers 705 at Globe Life Field. Athletics look to improve on 4-16. and 16. Red Sox and Brewers Garrett Whitlock against Wade Miley 710 at American Family Field. Wade Miley! Wade Miley, old friend. Fernando Valdez will take on Kyle Wright, 720 at Truist Park, Astros, and Braves. Joe Musgrove goes for the Padres. Merrill Kelly goes for the D-backs, 810 at Chase Field. Royals and Angels, Zach Greinke, the legendary Royal, will take on Tyler Anderson, 907 as the Royals take on the Angels at Angel Stadium in Anaheim. And final game of the night at 940, we're going to see Miles Michaelis and Luis Castillo, who's been one of the best pitchers, .73 ERA this year for Luis Castillo. Cardinals and Mariners at T-Mobile Park. Wait freaking Miley, man. Yeah. 1.5 ERA so far. 2-1 and one <laughs> with a 1.5 yeah. ERA, a .94 whip. He's thrown 18 innings in three starts. Yeah. Two of his three outings, he's thrown a shutout. Yeah. What the hell? Am I the only one still butthurt about how bad he was no, in No, you're definitely not the only one. No. Like, he was, he was awful. He was awful. Awful in Baltimore. Let's, yeah. let, I mean, look. Let's look at his career stats. Okay, so in 2016, after being traded to Baltimore, 
if this will let me do this. By the way, he this was two and five with a six seventeen ERA in eleven starts. Then yeah. in twenty seventeen in Baltimore, eight and fifteen, five sixty one ERA in thirty two starts. Since then, twenty eighteen with Milwaukee. Five and two, two fifty seven ERA in sixteen starts. Twenty nineteen yeah. with Houston, three ninety eight ERA, fourteen and six and thirty three starts. Twenty twenty one in Cincinnati, twelve and seven with a three thirty seven ERA, including a, a no hitter. Last year he only had um, nine games, eight starts, but two and two with a three sixteen ERA, and then this year three and three, uh, three starts, two and one, one five zero ERA. Why was he? The worst pitcher in the history of baseball in Baltimore, and then he becomes Cy Young everywhere else after that. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. You know what else is hard to believe? That Shintaro Fujinami is only pitched on Saturdays. Four straight Saturdays, <laughs> Shintaro Fujinami. It's, I, I swear, it's every Saturday this guy pitches, so I don't know what that is. Sounds like a Mortal Kombat I don't, character. It, it's a great name, but his ERA is uh, 11.37 so oh. far. So Oh, maybe he, they need to get him off Saturdays. Yeah, may, maybe the Saturdays aren't working out for him, but... Uh, yeah, he got signed to a $3.25 million deal. I don't even remember that uh, happening this year, but came over from Japan. So a little rough start to his major league career. Uh, speaking of a pitcher from Japan, you say Kikuchi. Last year he was terrible, got yep. relegated to the yep. bullpen. This year he's 3-0. and He's got like a 3-9 like ERA or something yeah. like that. Uh, tossed six solid Pretty innings, good. six innings of one-run ball last night. To me, like, how do you turn these guys around like that? Because I remember yeah. in 2020, Martin Perez was one of the Red Sox Horrible. starters, and he was terrible. Yeah. And then he goes to Texas, and all of a sudden, he's one of the best starters in yeah. the American League. Yeah. Like, how in the blue hell does that happen? How are you so freaking awful that people just give up on you, and then the next year, you're Cy Young? Tar- I don't- yeah, terribly. <sighs> By the way, there is a pitching matchup today. I just got off the page, but uh, there was a pitching matchup today. I think it's Dylan Cease versus someone... Else, oh, Chee McClanahan, that's who it is. Cease and McClanahan, that's an incredible pitching matchup today. And you know, Cease is going to bounce back. Yeah, uh, after, yeah la- I mean, after last Sunday, where he walked, what was it? Did, what did he walk five? I think he walked five, but that's like his normal numbers. Like he, yeah. walk, like his his walks per nine right now is like four and a half. So that's not too far off. He can pitch a gem and still walk five. That's the crazy thing about Dylan Cease. Yeah, well, DL Hall. Uh, we'll see. DL Hall. <laughs> we'll it, see. Uh, he struck out five and in five innings last night. Two okay. hits, two runs, two walks. Two runs though over five. Okay. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's it's. I, I want to see him dominate. I really want to see him throw six shutout innings and get it's like a sub four eleven ERA. strikeouts. It's a three sixty ERA. Okay, yeah. you know if 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 somebody in the Orioles rotation finishes the year with a three sixty ERA, you're like sign him to a five year extension. <laughs> you know, so uh, look, I want to see him dominate, but they're still building him up. He threw eighty four pitches, eighty five pitches last night, okay. fifty four strikes. Um, I, I think he's doing fine. Okay. I, I th- he's been he's been mediocre to bad in two starts, and he's been pretty good in two starts. So I, I um I think he's going to get a handful more starts before they decide what they want to do with him moving forward. But I think he's trending in the right direction. Um, anyway, the payoff pitch around the league and what's on tap uh, have been brought to you by Maryland's minor league ballparks. Uh, have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks? Pressbox is giving you the chance to check all of them out this summer. Head over to pressboxonline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. One easy pass Maryland on the go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter and the sweepstakes end 
June tw- June 14th, excuse me, they end June 14th, and you have to be 18 or older. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. I was going to make a joke at your expense about 18 mm. and just decided not to. Anyway. Well, I have news for you. I'm not 18 years old. Uh, I know that. <laughs> I know that. Um, you were just about that when you started. Uh, yeah, you were, I, what, I was, 19? I was probably, mm, I don't know. I think you were 19 when the I was probably 19, started. yeah. I think you were 19 yeah. when the show started. Now, Wild. And now you're, Wild. you're, now, now you're drinking beers. You're, <laughs> drink, <laughs> you're, you're out there drinking beers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had a nice Miller Lite at the game last night. Ew. It was, what? Ew. What are you talking about? Miller Lite, Coors Light, Bud Light, the worst. Miller- By a wide margin is Miller Lite. By a no, it is swill. Coors is the worst by no. far. Oh yeah, Coors is no, the worst by no. far. Miller Miller Light, I might as well be sticking a straw in a urine. Paul, get your head out from under a rock. Come on. No, Miller Light. Come and on. You, and you know how I know Miller Coors Light, is Light tastes like water. I would rather my beer taste like water than like piss from the urinal in the bathroom. <laughs> I this is blasphemy. You're, you're crazy. Miller man. Light is you're awful. crazy. And you know how I know Miller Light is awful because before I turned 21, when all my buddies and I were drinking illegally, we were pounding <laughs> 30 packs of Miller Light. That's so every Friday and Saturday well, night. <laughs> clearly, you had more money than most uh, 18 year old kids. Then most, Nat, I feel like Natty Light is the is the. You one also you're forget that here. I'm like 15. No, I'm like 17. How old are you? 22. I'm about to turn 22. You're about to and turn like, 22. 11 days? In 11 something days. Like that. He's, aw, 13 he's, days? Something he's like that. He's so young, he still has the countdown. Aw. <laughs> aw. I am... Oh, man. I am damn near 17 years older than you. So mm. you have to know that when I was a young man, when I was a, a, a yeah. wee young man, Miller Lite was not nearly as expensive as it is now. Nothing yeah. was nearly as expensive as it is now. A- AJ, by the way, AJ in the comments thinks I look younger than Jackson Holiday. That is a bold statement. No, you do not. I, just, I, I do not agree with that. You haven't seen me off camera. I think that would help, maybe. Uh, you'd have to see me next to Jackson Holiday. I mean, he's a much bigger man than I am, but... Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you stood next to Jackson Holiday... He's because, a lot taller than me, because he's taller, probably. Because he's taller than you, and he's got more muscle than you. No offense. And he's got more oh, muscle well, than you. I would you. hope he would. He's a 1-1. Um, I would hope he would. I don't know. Well, let's, I, I don't know. How tall is Jackson Holiday? I'm curious. I think he's six one. Yeah, no, I, I think he's about one hundred and ninety pounds. It's probably right. It's probably right. By the way, um, and he said, "Did you just call me lady?" No, I called you AJ. AJ <laughs> is, what, is what I called you. That so to, to clear things up. But no, I I think he probably let's let's find Jackson Holiday's height here. He's six foot, so he's one inch taller than me. Mm-hmm. Um and he is he weighs more than me too. So how much does he weigh? He weighs one eighty five. How much do you weigh? One sixty five. He's got twenty pounds and one inch yeah, on you. He does. He does. I don't know. I, again, I, I would hope he would. I, mean, I this know guy's what Jackson am- Holiday's face looks like. Th- this is this is what to be clear. Th- I don't know if you can see this, Paul, but this is what Jackson Holiday looks like. Uh, I mean, he. Looks, I don't know, he, man. He, he he looks like one of those um, like a Cabbage Patch doll. You remember the Cabbage Patch dolls? No, you I, don't, because they... they, they of course were, I know what that is. Of really? course. Oh, yeah. They stopped selling oh, yeah. them before you were born. Nah, that's not true. Nah. I. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the show going, man? Where's the show going? Off the rails, that's uh, where. Off barely. the rails. So I do want to talk about the Orioles. Uh, it's time for Orioles banter. Uh, they're 12-7, and seven, winners of four straight and eight of ten. They're doing what they should be doing, and that's beating up on lesser competition, mm-hmm. right? So they win three of four from the Athletics. They win two of three from the White Sox um, in a way that we didn't expect. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, then they win two straight in a, in a small series sweep of the Nationals, and then they win the first game against the Tigers, who, by the way, won five of six against the Orioles last year. So yeah. there's some payback that the Orioles need to instill upon the uh, uh, or enforce upon the Tigers. But they've won eight of ten. What does this team need to take that next step? Because it's not going to get easier. Right, so I think that they let's take a look at their schedule here because I do think that the schedule, the, the schedule, the, the schedule, the schedule is fairly favorable for them uh, moving forward because they have these three against Detroit, then yeah. they have um, Boston coming in for three, and then I think they go to Detroit for four games before going to Kansas City. So let's see. Yes, it's Detroit, Boston, Detroit, Kansas City. And then the first weekend in May, they have Atlanta followed by Tampa Bay, followed by the 14-7 and Pittsburgh Pirates, followed by the Angels, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Rangers, the Guardians to close out May. Mm-hmm. So this team is going to have a gauntlet coming up in about two weeks, right? So in order to... Well, first of all, when you looked at the schedule and you saw the first 28 games, a lot of people were saying, oh, this team can go 19-9 and nine in yeah. the first month of the season. And that'll get them off to a really nice start. They, I think that that's, I'm not going to say it's likely, but it's feasible. Mm-hmm. They, they would yeah. have to go 7-2 and two the rest of the way this month, right? Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't say it's entirely realistic, but we'll see. I mean, they've won eight of their last ten. They have. You know? Have. And they're facing Boston at home, Detroit, and then Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get to Atlanta, Tampa Bay, the Yankees, the Angels, the Rangers, the Guardians, and come out with your head above—not just your head above water, but not losing any ground—you want to—you want to not lose ground in May. You don't have to. You, it's. I think it's unrealistic to expect them to gain ground. But if you play 500 baseball in May after playing 600 baseball in June. It bodes well for—I mean, in June. In April, it bodes well for you going into an easier June month. What do the Orioles need to take that next step and become one of the better teams against the better teams? I think the bench needs to give them more. Yeah. I think the bench needs to give them a lot more. Ryan McKenna's got to give them more. If he's going to start against lefties, and if he's going to come into the game against lefties like he did last night and replace uh, Taron Vavra, he's got to get hits. He's Mm got to do something. Taron Vavra, same thing. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna make starts, you got to do something. You know, he's batting below 200 right now. The OBP is, you know, yeah. probably 230 right now. These guys have got to give them more. James McCann, I don't necessarily expect that much from because he wasn't very good the last two years. Frankly, uh, he was right. really, really good in 2019, but that's years past now. Um, so James McCann never should bat fourth again. Uh, but when he does play I, I don't expect a ton from him but guys like McKenna guys like Vavra these are the guys that need to actually come through and and give them more that, that those are your two key bench players that have got to turn it around well, I, I think that's going to turn this ball club into a much better club if they can produce yeah I, I and I was actually talking to somebody about this last night during the game Ryan McKenna comes in to face a lefty he immediately strikes out he's now two for nine with five strikeouts against left-handed pitching yeah. this year and he only plays against left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. So, God, I, I just feel like Brandon Hyde fell victim to a hot stretch from McKenna. Because coming into this year, McKenna's career against left-handed pitching is a two oh six hitter. Yeah. And then, I know. And then, and then this year, he's hitting two twenty two against him. Yeah. He's hitting two twenty two against him and has struck out five times. I don't need... 
I understand. They don't, and, and, and the point was made to me that if the Orioles had a right-handed outfielder that they could trust to get to to bat against left-handed pitching and produce, Ryan McKenna wouldn't be here. Yeah. Right. Or a guy who had reverse splits like a Kyle Stowers. I think Kyle Stowers would put up better numbers than McKenna to this point in the year. Probably. You know, yeah. and I get McKenna is faster and he plays better defense supposedly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we've seen him botch three different plays. We have this year. Uh, I don't think Ryan McKenna is as good of a defender as people make him out to be. I hate the way he catches the ball. I, I do, too. I uh, do, too. Like, it's it's, it, it's very awkward process, yeah. You you watch Mullins and Hayes catch yeah. a fly ball with one hand. Look, the whole catch it with two hands, that's a fallacy. No, it You no. don't catch a baseball with no. two hands to secure the ball. You catch a baseball with two hands to get a quick transfer to your throwing hand if you need the throw. The only time you're using two hands is if you're trying to block out the sun. I'll give right. you that, but you're not doing that that much. I mean, right. that's, that's not that often. And even then, that's not two hands on the glove. No. That's one hand blocking right. the sun. And But when you watch Hayes and Mullins catch the ball with one hand, they're catching it right above their face. Right above their head. It's coming straight down to them. The ball's going into that glove. They're watching it all the way into the glove. Yeah. McKenna catches the ball next to his ear. Yeah. Over his over his left shoulder. You don't see the ball go into the glove from that angle. Yeah. You are watching it, and then you're not looking at the ball when it goes in the glove. You're just assuming it's going to land there. Yeah. And it almost seems like he does it intentionally sometimes to rub it in our faces. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to catch this mm-hmm. even though you don't think I am. Like especially the first one that was hit like that after the drop, it seemed like he he, he caught it the exact same yeah. way, and it seemed almost intentional. Yeah, I think I think people can fall victim to it because usually uh, you equate a a good runner and a good mover like Ryan McKenna is to a good defender, but that's mm-hmm. not always the case. I, I think there's a lot that goes into hands and footwork and all the things that he does, and I don't think he's that good at it. I really don't. I, he's probably to me he's an average defender. I wouldn't say he's a plus defender in any way. To me, yeah, I I, I mean. He's fast, and that gives him good range, but I don't think his hands are that good. And we've seen that. We've seen it on multiple occasions. Ryan McKenna, to me, does not add much value to this team. He just does not. I just went to Google on my phone to search Ryan McKenna, and before I even typed in his name, he was the first name to pop up. Uh, You've been searching up a lot of Ryan McKenna lately. I I have. I looked him up last night to find out his stats. By the way, he's 3 for 15 this year with mm-hmm. a 278 on base percentage. He's got a 544 OPS. But sure, let's keep uh let's keep playing this guy. Let's just keep doing that. Yeah, it's wanna, frustrating. Uh, it's 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 a guy that, you know, probably is one of the better runners in this team. By the way, he's his sprint speed in percentile wise is still slower than Ryan Malcastle at the moment, which is yeah. wild to me, but that's the case. Uh but he's a he's a guy who you would call a better mover. He he's a more fluid mover, a better runner uh than Ryan Malcastle is. His straight line speed just isn't quite defensive quite runs running. saved He's at on the year he's zero. Yeah, he was twenty-two in right field last year. Defensive run saved twenty-two. I mean, that's what that means, right? Let me, Hold up. Let me let me uh, let me do a little research here. The number of runs above or below average the player is worth based on the number of plays made. Yeah, he was at twenty-two in right field last year. The year before, he was negative thirty-two in right field. So I I don't know. What the hell the deal is? I'm gonna find out uh, if, if you give me a few minutes here. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. try to do my best to find out. Um, this isn't the Ryan McKenna show. I want to move on from Ryan McKenna. I want to talk about Grayson Rodriguez because he came out last Sunday and he's going up against Dylan Cease. And now in his three starts, he has faced Jacob Degrom and Dylan Cease, two Cy Young hopefuls, in two of his three starts. 
And he comes out and he immediately gives up a three-run homer and a solo shot in the first inning. He's down 4 nothing before the Orioles even got their second plate appearance um, of the game. And then the rest of the way, he gives up nothing. So, by the way, I have the numbers for the Fielding Bible. Uh, this is the one that gives out the Fielding Bible award. They have Ryan McKenna last year at three. Three defensive runs saved. So, I mean, he, he was positive, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, What you, about this year? Uh, this year, so far, I can look that up. Uh, Adley Rutschman, by the way, last year was looks like 24, something yeah. along those lines. He's I mean, I, insanely good at everything inc- he does. Incredibly good. Let's see where they have McKenna here. Uh, he's at zero. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a big fat zero. <laughs> big big fat I mean, zero. I, you know. But they, that was Ryan McKenna overall. What was he yeah. in right field okay. last I year? Because what I said was he was... Well, this, this, this only shows overall, I think, so okay. we won't dig too much deeper. Yeah, but. so I, I I use baseball reference a lot, um, but it said his defensive run saved in right field this year, or, or last year, was 22. Yeah. Uh, this year, you've seen him play everywhere, but the big mistake... Well, the drop came in left field. He played a double into a triple in right field last yeah. week um, against the Athletics, so... I don't know. I don't care. I want him off the team. Anyway, Grayson Rodriguez, four runs in the, in the first thing of his last start, nothing the rest of the way. Struck out eight batters, walked just two. I think he walked two in that game. Three straight starts, three straight leadoff men walked by Grayson Rodriguez. But, man, that changeup was filthy last week after the first inning. He was so good. And he's getting another start on Sunday. I will be in attendance with my beautiful bride. Um, what are we thinking about, about Grayson Rodriguez? How do you expect him to perform moving forward? And we actually only have a few minutes to talk about this. Definitely going to be some rough starts for him, I think. And you've seen that first inning be the, the big thing that he can't get through. Um, the sliders looked really good. And the changeup actually looked the best it has all, mm-hmm. all from all of his starts so far this year. The changeup is the best in, in the last outing. The sliders looked really good all the way around. Uh, the fastball, he's still got some location issues with it. But mostly he's just trying to nibble, I think. And that's that's part of the problem. Uh, so when he does throw it and, and gets it in the spot he wants, he's getting it on the blacks. That's, that's good news. But... He's gonna have a, a few more rough outings. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not you know it's not gonna all turn around for him. Just because he was good from the second inning on doesn't mean it's gonna be like that from now on. I think there's going to be he's gonna take his lumps, and uh, it might be a rough year for him overall. But I think maybe by the end of the year we'll start to see progress and, and things will change. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna end up being their best pitcher by sooner sooner rather. I don't know. Than Tyler sooner. Wells has been dominant. Yeah, but dominant. It, yeah, yeah. I, I I think he's gonna end up being. No, 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 no. Don't don't call him. Don't call him. We're taking a break. I'm just just find in the number. We, 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 well, we got we got to take a break first before Sounds we call. Do you find the number dur- during the break? Um, but we actually do have to catch a break right now. We are really, really behind. So we're going to do that. We're going to catch a break. When we come back in from The Athletic, Dan Conley, he's next on The Bat Around. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more. We do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, rolling right along here on the Bataround. Today's show brought to you by Pressbox's Minor League Contest. Pressbox is giving you the chance to check out all of Maryland's minor league ballparks this summer. Head over to pressboxonline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. One easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter and the sweepstakes end June 14th. So go over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now and sign up. Joining us now on the bat around, always a great pleasure when we get to talk with this man. Uh, Dan Connolly from The Athletic joins us now. Dan, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? We're doing really well, especially since the Orioles find themselves at 12-7 and on a four-game winning streak, having won eight of the last ten overall. And, Dan, it has to do a lot with the starting pitching at this point. Uh um, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, Tyler Wells have gone 19 and two-thirds shutout innings the last three games. The pitching staff as a whole tossed 34 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings before Bautista's blown save in the ninth last night. What have you seen from this pitching staff, and is it more a product of who they're playing than anything else? Well, I think it's got to be part of it. I mean, you're, you're talking about you know the, the teams they played. I mean, you take the White Sox are kind of you know struggling a little bit, but obviously that was a Sunday lineup which is always a B lineup and then you have uh the Nationals and the Tigers before that you had the A's for four you won three or four um you're not, you're talking about among the worst offenses in baseball mm-hmm. that the Orioles have done this too now that said they still got to beat them and they still got to be better than them and you know 34 innings scoreless is the sixth best sixth longest streak in modern franchise history for the Orioles so that's impressive and, you know, I, I'm a big Kyler Wells guy. I think he, you know, he, well, I think he arguably was the best pitcher the Orioles had last year, starter-wise, until he got hurt. And I think if he can stay healthy, he's a, he's a middle-of-the-rotation guy for, for some years. And then you got Braddish and Kramer, both of whom have upside, both of whom have, have really good stuff. 
It's just a matter of consistency for them. And, you know, they, they both took advantage of it. I mean, Braddish, you know, was pitching well when he got hurt. Um, when he, you know, he took the ball, the liner off the foot and, in his first two innings. And I, I think we want to see what he can do against, you know, some better offenses because he, you know, he had a good second half of the Orioles. And Kramer pitched well last year. So mm-hmm. I think that those guys have the ability to be good major league pitchers. It's just a matter of whether they can find the consistency of it and what happens when, you know, they start getting down or, or, or they get into trouble or they get behind and count. But I think you got to be encouraged because anytime you have pitchers going deep and pitchers, you know, shutting out the opponent, no matter who that opponent is, I think it's a good thing. But again, it's early and I think you got to, you know, let this all play out. It's not surprising to me that a Bradish or a Kramer can have a good game in the majors. What we need to see now is, is, three of them in a row and four of them in a row. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you, and it brings me to my next point. The Orioles didn't trade for Cole Irvin to have him in the minors. They happened to send him down at a time of need when Keegan Aiken was going on the paternity list. He hadn't given them much, and they needed to get some length from their bullpen if they needed it. So they brought up Spencer Watkins, took advantage of an opportunity. Well, now you have five guys in your rotation, including Grayson Rodriguez, who were hoping turned a corner after the first inning against the White Sox last week. Five guys who seem to be pitching pretty well for the team right now. If that continues, is there any chance that the Orioles move to a six-game rotation? Because maybe you can't justify set, taking anybody out of that rotation at this point. I don't think so for two reasons. One, you know, you're, you're limited to 13 pitchers now. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about seven relievers as you go to a six-man rotation. True. And, again, we have not seen these guys go particularly deep. Now, we, we've seen, you know, obviously more examples of it recently. But I think you have guys who are young and inexperienced, and especially inexperienced. They're not necessarily that young anymore except for Grayson, but they're inexperienced. And, you know, in, with inexperience comes some games where they just don't have it. You can't figure it out to get the five or six. When you go to a six-man rotation, you're really limiting that bullpen. And, you know, the bullpen's been somewhat shaky, individuals anyway. You're obviously going to get two guys back, hopefully within the next week or two, Um to pull in that bullpen in, in Tate and in uh, Given. So I, I think that the five-man rotation is the way it's going to stay at this point. And, and honestly, I've been around this game a long time, and no one has too many starters. They just don't. So yeah. something's going to happen in the next week or two or three that'll show where, you know that that depth is needed. And so Irvin, I mean, was it surprising to me that Irvin was sent down? Absolutely. I understand it. Um, and he really was sent, sent down because Bradish was coming off, and they, didn't want to, and they wanted to give – uh, Rodriguez a little bit more leash. So, um, you know, he had a 10 ERA and three starts. So, I mean, I think he's a major league pitcher. I think he should be fine. And I think we'll see him again. But when, you know, I think it all depends on what the other five guys do. Yeah, no, it, and honestly, that, that's the way it should be. You shouldn't just give Cole Irvin a spot back in the rotation just because you traded for him. He's got to earn it. Uh, and so far, so good. A three ERA through one start down in the minor six innings, two runs allowed. Now, you mentioned the bullpen there, and the bullpen was shaky to start the year, but over the last week or so, they seem to have really settled in. Yenier Cano and Mike Ballman have stabilized things in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Brian Baker seems to have picked up where he left off last year. Felix Bautista's Felix Bautista. Um, when Dylan Tate and uh, Michael Givens come off the IL, who goes? Uh, Perez has no options. You want to give him a longer leash based off of what he did last year. Voth has no options, but he's also retired nine straight. Uh, Keegan Aiken would seem to be the most likely guy, but how do you make room for both of these guys? Is Cano going back down? Yeah, I mean, you know, two weeks, like you actually just said it in your opening, and, and two weeks in, a relief, in the relief world is forever. 
Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, you know, so Cano may struggle. So there could be an injury that pops up. Bauman may struggle. Um, I mean, you know, you know, they may decide that that was hurting Perez is some type of of soreness or fatigue or something. Who knows? So, it, I I, I kind of got out of the, the prediction game on this simply because the bullpen in particular it's so fluid, and so you know they'll they'll figure it out. I mean, I don't imagine they will do anything with somebody that does not have options remaining, considering they do have guys with options. And so I would think Cano could go down, but again, I mean, he's pitched really well, and if he continues to pitch well. Then, then you know you want to, going to want to keep him getting out in the, in the majors. So um, you figure they're at least probably two weeks away because the thought is is that both Tate and uh, Givens will be you know doing some type of rehab next week. And I would imagine they get three or four or five outings then because you know you want to get them back. To, neither one of those guys really pitched much. Givens pitched some in, in spring. Tate has not. So. I think you're probably looking at three weeks until you have to make it, or two weeks anyway, that you have to make a real decision. And again, Paul, those things have a way of working themselves out. Yeah, that's how baseball goes. They always seem to work themselves out. Uh, so it's usually much ado about nothing. Now, um, we hope it's much ado about nothing with Gunnar Henderson. The bat's starting to come alive a little bit. He's four for his last 14 over the past uh, handful of games. But he, the on-base percentage is there. He's walking a lot, but he's not getting a lot of hits. He's been bouncing between short and third. Uh, the defensive shortcomings have been noted at third base, at least to start this year, mostly uh, on the throwing side of things. Do you think that he should really be stuck at one position, or and do you think that it has anything to do with his struggles, or is it just a matter of a young kid learning the game at the big league level? I think it's the latter. I mean, I wrote a column today in The Athletic uh, about that specifically, about Gunnar Henderson talked to Gunnar and, you know, kind of trying to put some perspective to it. And I'm not worried at all about this kid. For one, you see the walks, a 370 on-base percentage, um, and, and you know that he, he knows the game. He can figure it out. His uh, exit velocity is almost the exact same as it was last year, 92 miles an hour. So I don't think we would worry too much about him. He's not barreling up balls as much as he did last year. But baseball is hard, and mm-hmm. I think people just expect guys from the minors to come up and, and be studs. And I, in my column today, I pointed out that Brooks Robinson was terrible at the at the plate his first couple. You know, he actually had two uh, stints in the majors before he became a regular in '55 and '56, and was was awful in both. Cal Ripken Jr. was terrible in both '81 and the first month of '82. You know, people were talking about sending Nick Marquez down in April, and he never played in the minors after that. Um, even Adley Rutschman struggled like heck in 20-some games when he got called up. It is a difficult transition, but if these guys are really good players, they'll figure it out. As far as, and so therefore, I'm not worried about him offensively at all. He's going to come around. He's been hitting the ball a lot harder recently, and he's going to come around. The one concern I have is because he's a young guy and because he's having some offensive struggles, I would put him in a position and just keep him there. Mm-hmm. And I would not mess around with moving him around trying to figure out one thing or another. Now, I talked to, to Brandon Hyde about this in our press conference yesterday, and his thought was what they're doing with him is to try and make him a little bit more comfortable. Yes, he's moving back and forth, but shortstop is his natural position, and that's the position he is most comfortable at. But obviously you have Mateo, who, frankly, at this point in his career, is a better defender at shortstop. So when Mateo's not available, like he hasn't been with the, you know, with the injury recently, he's putting Henderson at shortstop. And he thinks that's going to help Henderson because he's more comfortable there. But when Mateo is there to play, 
he's got him back at third base, and he thinks he's going to be a good third baseman. I don't like the moving around, but it does make some sense to me. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I can you, you can you know pick myths on that one, but I think Gunnar Henderson is going to be a really good player. And even if he struggles for another month or two at the plate, I don't care. Uh, this kid is going to, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to try to bring up Westberg and, and see what he looks like. And uh, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me to, to move around or, or think about demoting Henderson, especially the 37 on base clip. Just let the kid play. And at the end of the year, you'll, you'll look up and be like, okay, this guy's a, a, a future piece. Dan, the, the ball comes off his bat differently. Right. When, when he right. hits a ball into the gap, it shoots off his bat like a missile. I, right. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not worried about him at all. And you even saw it last year. You mentioned Rutschman. Bobby Witt got off to a really slow start. Julio right. Rodriguez got off to a really slow start. I'm, right. I'm with you. And I, I would like to see him play one position, but he's young. He's athletic. He's versatile. I don't think that that really has anything to do with the struggles either. Now, right. I, know, I know we I got mean- it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and Hyde's point, you know, is the mistakes that he's making, mainly on throws, are rushing the throws because his timing isn't there because mm-hmm. he's never really played this position this often at a, you know, at the higher, at the highest level. And so these guys run faster. You got to get your clock set, and he's not getting his clock set necessarily, so he's rushing his throws. And I think that's something they feel like can be fixed just with experience, you know, and just with reps there, you know, at the major league level. Uh, yeah, no, I agree, and a, a lot of it is a double clutching the glove padding before he throws. They'll get that. They'll get it worked out. Now, Dan, before we let you go, and we're gonna do this quickly because I know that you are you have a limited yep. um you have limited time yeah. with us. We play a game called Take the Rake. I believe you've played it with us before. Zach and I will do our part after we get you going here. Um, but. Long story short, Steve Molesky won last week when he took Austin Hayes. He went 6-for-20, a triple, a home run, a walk, two RBIs, and three runs scored. That's a 300 batting average of an 883 OPS for last week, which means, Dan, that as our guest, you get to pick first. Your only rule is you cannot take Austin Hayes because Steve took him last week. Who do you think is going to have the best offensive week for the Orioles this year, this week? Ooh. Um, I- I'm a Cedric Mullins believer. Let's go with Ced. Cedric Mullins. That's I. I was gonna take him if you didn't. So I think that, that's a uh, that's a great choice. Sorry right. about that. No, quite quite all right. Dan, we thank you for taking some time for us. We know you're a busy guy. So enjoy the rest of the weekend. Hopefully, we'll talk to you again soon down the line. You got it, Paul. Take care of yourself. See you. That was Dan Connolly joining us from The Athletic. Uh, he agreed to do the show, but said he only had about 10 minutes, so I didn't want to keep him any longer than we had to today. And I almost just called him Dan the Fan Connolly. Dan the Fan. Dan the Fan Connolly. Um, no, Dan's always great. He has as much intel on the Orioles as anybody going out there today. Uh, so thank you, Dan, for joining us on The Bat Around. So Dan Connolly uh, takes Cedric Mullins. Uh, great choice. Great choice. He's got a seven-game hitting streak. He's hitting right around 400. He's walking a ton. Walking a ton. The Orioles trio of Cedric Mullins, Gunnar Henderson, and Adley Rutschman lead all other trios in all of baseball in walks. And then you're getting walks from Mateo, too. Yeah. So there's some, you know, up and down the lineup, there's there's production. Uh, the, the Orioles, by the way, I, one thing that stood out to me like a sore thumb last night is how much they missed Jorge Mateo. How much they missed him. I, that game, to me, if Mateo's in that game, there's more offense. You think Mateo so? is a is a producer. Mateo has been arguably what fourth best hitter on the team this year, third best hitter. He is a you know night in. You night can make out. the argument he's been the second best hitter. Yeah, night his in. batting average is tops. Yeah, 
His on-base percentage is second. Night in, night out, he's making the big hit. Or he's mm-hmm. getting on base for the guy to get him in. Jorge Mateo was sorely missed last night. He's yeah. a, a part of that lineup that, because Arias isn't getting it done right now. Uh, you know, Vavra and McKenna weren't going to get done at the bottom of the lineup. So, Mateo's the guy that, that would have been there in place of one of them. And he wasn't. So, Yeah, uh, it's amazing how good he's been. Yeah. I need to see it for an extended period. He's done it for yeah. three weeks, which is nice. I need to see him do it for three months. Yeah, it just one run through nine innings was making me think, you know, th- this could really use Jorge it's, Mateo. If Jorge Mateo gets one hit last night, the Orioles probably score an, an extra run before That's that what I'm saying. Inning. That's my point. It, yeah. like, because when he gets on base, you know he's stealing second. Right, right. And he's he's going to find a way to score. Could steal uh, third, too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, he's um He's been something else. Yeah. He, I, I, he has been... You can make the argument he's been the best shortstop in the American League this year. Yeah, and, I mean, he's up there. And you can make the argument he's one of the top players in the game right now. Yeah. Right now, it's April 22nd. Sure. If he's still doing this on May 22nd, okay. Yeah. Now, he's not going to hit... I'm definitely not jumping to conclusions yeah, about he, the guy. He, He's no. not going to hit 370, but the changes... From what we've heard, he worked his ass off mm-hmm. this offseason. Last year, he hit... Which is actually better than his overall average. But he hit two thirty three against breaking balls last year. Mm-hmm. I think this year he's something like eight for seventeen yeah. against breaking balls. And two of his three home runs have come on sliders, which he struggled mightily with yeah. last year. His swing decision looks better. His plate discipline looks better. Yeah. He looks more comfortable at the plate. He puts it every ball that he hits, he hits at least one or two balls every game that's 106 plus miles an hour off the bat. Mm-hmm. He absolutely crushes baseballs. He crushes baseballs. It has been impressive. I'm loving seeing it. He said that he should be back today. He said he thinks he's going to be 100% good. today. So I expect Need to see him, him in the lineup tonight. Um, I'm I'm a Jorge Mateo fan. Oh, yeah. I'm a Jorge Mateo fan. And my whole thing with him last year is if you hit 221, but you get on base at even a 300 clip, that's fine. With sure. the defense you play, the speed that you have, if he's going to hit 270, 280 this year and get on base at a 340 clip... Which I'm not so sold on. I, I'm I think not he'll, sold pro- on he'll probably end up 240, 250. That's what I would think. But still, that's probably like a 310 OBP. and mm-hmm. it, it, Probably, you would think, you would hope. Um, and then that maybe is 25 home runs? 20? I don't know. I mean, he's if he hits twenty home runs and he steals fifty bags this year while playing that kind of defense, he's a six war player. He's one of the best players in the game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you, he's he's trending towards being an all star. Yeah. I don't know that he will be. Long way to go. Sure, but, yeah. But he looks absolutely phenomenal right now. Yeah. So does Austin Hayes. And it just again, it felt like that lineup last night was missing one big piece, mm-hmm. and Mateo has turned himself into that big piece. But the lineup, even with Mateo, is still missing. Jorge, the big, the big piece, Mateo. The, the big piece. The big piece. Wow. The big rod, um, the big piece. Yeah. The big donkey, Adam Dunn. Yeah. The 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 dong bong. Um. The, the dong bong. <laughs> the Homer um, hose. It's Homer hose. It's a dong bong. Uh, yeah. Dong bong. Dong bong. Um, Have no, you ever I, seen that 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 Will Ferrell Robert Goulet sketch? Uh, on SNL? Yeah. I think I have, where, yeah. Where, yeah. So I took that and got a lot of uh, hits on it. Um, I took the pic, a still frame of that and made my own meme. And it just says, it, it's <laughs> when he talks about Cisco's thong song, he's, it's like, Robert Goulet sings, sings hits. He goes, thong song. I just changed it from thong <laughs> song to thong bong. And it was, it was good. And it was good. Congratulations. Thank you. No, it's funny. I didn't see it. No, I didn't it's, see it. It's, well, it's funny. I, it's I agree. Funny. It's, and it's it's a dong bong. It's not a home. I, I agree. I it's agree. A, it's a dong. I think Despite what the Orioles want to say. Yeah, it's dong bong. Because uh, I think that they probably were calling it a dong bong, and they were like, "You guys got to be family friendly." 
Probably, yeah. With this. By the way, the, the Oreo bird last night was wearing the chain. I noticed that when he ran yeah. out on the field after the uh, after the win and waved the flag at second base, was wearing the, the Oreo home run chain. So keep it going. Maybe they'll be bringing that back at some point. We'll see. I think I don't think that they ever sent it away. It just keeps it as part of the Orioles' overall theme. I love this team. Like they they piss me <laughs> off do? a lot. But yeah, people think I like hate that I just want to be miserable and hate the team. I want to see them play complete no, baseball, I, I, which I, they I, haven't done to this point. I was being sarcastic. I think if there's anyone in the world who loves the team, it's Paul Valley. Like oh, abso- ab- Paul Valley loves you. the Baltimore Orioles. Thank you. Which is why which is why so my um No, my, you you really do. This man owns like fifty Orioles hats. Yeah. This man loves the team. This is the newest one. I, I yeah. love this hat. Yeah. Um got the green so, the green underbelly. Yeah, it's cool. Um, underbelly, green <laughs> underbelly, um, under bill. Maybe that's a better word for it. So my stepbrother and I were, um, my wife and I had a big fight last summer mm-hmm. and like, it was a big one. And we were, I was talking to my stepbrother cause he always gives me really great advice and he's been married a few years longer than I have. And he says to me, your spouse has the ability to get under your skin like no one else. Mm-hmm. Like they can make, they can bring out a, a side of you. That w- that you never knew you had, because they just know how to get under your skin like that, and I liken my relationship with the Orioles to something similar. I love this team more than just about anything, but like three other things in my life. Okay, right, uh, and that includes my wife, my dog, and my family. Okay, it's my wife, my dog, my family, and. <laughs> You sure ben, you love your dog more than the Orioles? I don't know. Dude, I love that dog so much. <laughs> I, I love know. that dog so much. He is so awesome. Oh, my gosh. He is so awesome. Anyway, um, and it, then it's the Baltimore Orioles. I, the Baltimore Orioles were my first love, my first passion. Mm-hmm. So because I love them so much, they are able to get under my skin like no one else because I want the absolute best from this team okay. and for this team. So then when, when, when they bat James McCann fourth – or when they lose a game because Ryan McKenna drops a pop-up in left field with two outs in the ninth inning. Stuff like that, I don't have a tolerance for it. I, I, if they lose a game 5-3 to three because they just got outplayed, I'm not mad about that. You lost a baseball game, you're going to lose probably 65 more of them. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's when you lose the games that you should have won or you go into a game giving your team not the best opportunity to win the game based on the lineup and who you're playing uh, in the field that day. That's when I get upset. That game against the Pirates last year, it, it was um, game 108. And I remember it because, and I've said this before on the show, it was the game before the last third of their season started. And they had won the first two games against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They go out there, they take a one to nothing lead on a Jorge Mateo home run in the third inning, but he started Roof Neto Door at third base. Brandon Hyde started the Roof Neto Door at third base after he, when they asked him how he felt about playing third the year before for the Yankees, he said, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The fourth inning, um, I'm sorry, it was, uh, yeah, the, it, no, it was the fifth inning. It was the fifth inning. It was the top of the fifth inning, and Spencer Watkins had retired the first 13 batters he faced. He has a perfect game going into the top of the fifth inning. And a guy hits a ground, hits a chopper to, to Roof Neto door at third base. He should have felt fielded that ball in line with the bag. Instead, he fields it on another hop on the back of the infield dirt, basically on the grass behind third base. The guy has an infield hit, four straight hits later. The Orioles are down three to nothing, three to one. They end up losing that game eight to one. Yeah. And to me, 
That was a game where they had Ruth Neto Door, Robinson Chirinos, uh, I want to say Ryan McKenna, and um, uh, Brett Phillips all in the lineup batting six through nine. Those are the bottom four hitters in their lineup. Mateo was batting fifth in that yeah. lineup. That No, I'm sorry. Mateo, and Taron Vavra batted third that day, by <laughs> the way. That was a decision where, look, the Blue Jays who were right in front of you for the wild card. They were busy sweeping the Oakland Athletics. And you were busy losing a third game when you should have been sweeping the Pittsburgh Pirates with a day off the next day, and you're playing those four guys in the bottom of your lineup. Yeah. It was stuff like that pisses me off, and I am not. I have no tolerance. He will for not it. apologize for it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I won't. Sorry, I know that that's really long winded, and I've gone off on tangents in the past about this, but I ultimately, I love this freaking team. I love this team. I love the the energy that they have in the clubhouse. In the I've never been in the clubhouse, but I love the energy that they have in the dugout on the field. They have each other's backs. They love each other. And one thing I will say that I love about Brandon Hyde is that he gets these guys to play for him, and he'll go to war for his guys. Mm-hmm. And I love that about Brandon Hyde. Um, but man, this team's fun. Man, this team is a lot of fun. And if if they continue what they're doing right now, uh, some of these guys start to heat up, and I think Gunner's on the cusp of having a really hot yeah. stretch. And, and Rutschman's going to break out in a big way sooner yeah. rather than later. Um, I, when I say in a big way, he already did, but he's in a slump right now. He's going to break out, I think, maybe as, as soon as today. Um, really excited for what this team can do. And they, 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 need to con- they need to play this baseball right now because that stretch in May and then in July, um, really difficult. Yeah, really difficult stretch of baseball. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry, what were we going to say? My first time, by the way, seeing the Felix Bautista light show last night when he mm-hmm. came in and the Omar whistle they do before. He, that was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that, we talk about this team being fun. That's what comes to my mind. Yeah, that that's was cool. awesome. That's cool. And Adam Frazier in place of Roof Neto Door. Look, Frazier's batting like 240. Mm-hmm. But, man, he makes contact. He does. There was not, great like, at-bats. Great at-bats. Takes great at-bats. He struck out twice last night, and you're like, holy crap, he struck. He it, just it, doesn't do that, yeah. He, he walk, he's walked more than he struck out. Two strikeouts yeah. in a game for Adam Frazier, it would be like me going two for four in, my, in a big league game. It just doesn't happen. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So um, let's get back to take to rake here before we catch our final break. So Steve Molesky, we said he won last week. He took Austin Hayes. Again, 6-for-20, triple home run walk, 2 RBS, 3 runs, 6 Ks, mm-hmm. 300, 333, 550, 883, slash line. Zach, you took Adley Rutschman mm-hmm. in his worst week since he first came and up. That's sure um, to happen to Zach Goodman. 1-for-19, 4 walks, and RBI, 5 Ks. I took Gunnar Henderson, 4-for-14, a double, 3 walks, and RBI, 4 runs, 3 Ks, 286, 412, 357, 769, slash line. Um, so, we let... Steve, Mal- Steve Molesky. We let Dan Conley pick first, and Steve won. Uh, the updated standings, I have two wins. Zach has one, and Steve Molesky has one. Our guests overall have one. Um, two, so, one, and one. So Dan Conley has taken uh, Cedric Mullins for this week. I, after some thought, I'm going to take Adley Rutschman. Uh, and, and it's not because he's Adley Rutschman. If he was just doing what Adley normally would be doing, I would probably have taken, I don't know. I was actually thinking Anthony Santander because okay. I think he's starting to swing a little bit better. But I think Adley's going to break out okay. this coming week again. I think he's going to get back on track. So I'm taking Adley Rutschman. I'm going to go to Jorge Mateo. Jorge Mateo? Uh, coming back today, hopefully stays healthy through the week. We'll, we'll have to hope for that. Uh, but I, I believe in Mateo. Believer. So I'll go okay. with that. And then Zach takes Jorge. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Um, all right. Take the rake. 
in the bag for right now. Take the Rake has been brought to you by Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio, which is still the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. With podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts, you have no reason not to check out uh, Glenn Clark Radio, and you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with the Orioles pitcher Mike Bauman, top prospect Heston Kerstad, the pitching Ninja Rob Friedman and Maryland wide receiver Tyrese Chambers. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Taking our final break. When we come back in, the better round and final thoughts. That's next on the better round. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualify teams will be announced. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Bat Around. The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson looks at pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kersad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, who goes today for the Orioles, and Bo Smoka profiles uh, and breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro seasons. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Press you are muted. <laughs> I was muted. PressBoxOnline.com. Dot I'm com. trying. Dot com. All right. So, time for the bet around. Last week on the bet around, we told you to take Ryan Mountcastle at plus 340 to homer and plus 750 to hit the first home run. That was a miss. He went over six. Uh, we said to take Whew, we ta- said to take the over on nine runs at minus one fifteen. That hit Orioles lost seven to six um, in ten innings. They uh, so that's thirteen runs. So on the year we have three hits. We have four misses. Today I'm telling you to take. Hang on, I'm telling you to take in the Yankees Blue Jays game the over on seven runs. Now you would. And that's at minus 120. You would think that the um, the under would hit because it's Alec Manoa going up against Garrett Cole. Yeah. The Blue Jays have six guys on their team in not a small in not a small sample size. A small sample size of all those is six at bats. Mm-hmm. Six guys that are hitting 333 or better against Garrett Cole. Yeah. He has a .95 ERA and like a .76 whip this year Yeah, through four starts, he's due for a blow-up. Garrett Cole's good for a blow-up. The Yankees lost 6-1 to to the Blue Jays last night. I think that they're going to torch him for five runs. Okay. Manoa will probably give up a couple of runs himself. I think the over on seven runs is a lock. What's the over-under on the Rays-White Sox game with McClanahan and Cease going? Because I would take the under on that. Um... I would think the over under would be like six because of how good those two guys have been. You were really affecting me picking, doing my, my stuff for the for the Orioles game, but the over under is seven runs. Okay, yeah. So I I would take the under. You got to take the under on that. Absolutely, yeah, hammer the under on that. But it, the White Sox bullpen is a travesty, though. It is a tra- so if they get to the bullpen and Dylan Cease is out after seven innings or six innings, even you may be able to do some damage. So I don't know. Yeah, that's, and that's, the, the the Rays uh, the Rays have the best offense in baseball. To this point, right, which now. is wild to it's, say, it's, it's crazy, uh, but to me. they do. But man, I do not like these pitcher props. Like, I just don't like them. Like, I don't care about Kyle Gibson's strikeouts because he's not a strikeout pitcher. I don't know. By the way, there's also a bet that goes around a lot. Uh, no runs first inning is a pretty popular one. No runs first inning, McClanahan and Cease. I think that's that's pretty. Uh, yeah, that, that's pre- that's a pretty good bet. And these two guys are the best of the best. They really are. Shane McClanahan, by the way, um, is off to a really good start. Not a lot of people are talking about it. Probably because he's a raised pitcher, and raised pitchers just don't get the the coverage because they're all so good. They're always so good, and it's just kind of expected at this point. If a raised pitcher pitches well, it's you know, uh, it, it gets swept under the rug. But if a Yankees pitcher pitches well, then the whole world gets to hear about it. But that's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, 
you know. I was trying to find something on like innings pitched by Kyle Gibson because we've seen the Orioles starters get so deep the last three starts, mm-hmm. and I think that he's gonna he's gonna continue. I think he's good for six today on that. But th- there's the um, the over or the under on Kyle Gibson with um, strikeouts today. The over at plus one one fourteen of five and a half strikeouts going against the Detroit Tigers. I'm gonna take the under. I'm going to take minus 146 on under five and a half strikeouts for minus 146, five and a half strikeouts for, um, what's his name, for Kyle Gibson. And then Joey Wentz, I wanted to take a prop on him walking, guys, but I don't think he's going to do that either. I don't think that that there's a prop for that either. So let's see. Let's do the bottom of the the bottom of the first first pitch result. Taken strike, swinging strike, foul ball hit by pitch. I'm gonna take plus 105 that the first pitch is a ball from Joey Wentz. Okay. Plus 105. First pitch ball. Joey Wentz. I mean, if you look at the numbers this year so far, he is walking 4.3 per nine. So that's not that's not a uh, a horrible bet there. And actually, it just it literally just moved up to plus 110 okay. in that split second. Extra base hit, plus 4700 So if you bet 100 bucks, you win $4,700 if the first pitch is an extra base hit. <laughs> Cedric Mullins, do you think he's due for a first pitch home run tonight? No. No, I don't like that. See that that's that, I don't like that's that. the type of stuff that that freaking tantalizes me. That's when so you know I I don't bet on baseball, but when I bet on football uh, over the over the fall, which wasn't much because not a big betting guy, but um, I did make some bets given press boxes offers. They were fantastic. I took advantage of them, and the bets I made a lot of them were I, I saw a lot of the different possibilities I could do and it was like touchdown on the first drive or uh, you know in the first three plays there will be a touchdown and you could win you know $65,000 if you put you know a hundred bucks on it or something and these ridiculous uh, odds and some of those are just a little too risky and that's one of them I think Uh, an extra base hit probably not probably not you know what though Joey Wentz is a left-handed pitcher so Cedric Mullins isn't going to lead off today yeah you're you're absolutely right although no he's he's last night he had a double off a lefty though yeah he's He's been actually really good. He was on base Again, at I, least three times last night, I believe. Well, that's what he's been doing recently. But let me go back to this because he – I saw this. There was I had a reply to somebody on this last night. Let me see. Cedric Mullins is now 7 for 19 with one home run, two doubles, five walks, and two Ks for his left-handed pitchers this season. Okay. I think you could see Austin Hayes um, lead off the game today even still. Okay. But I'd be willing to throw ten bucks on plus forty seven hundred for the first pitch to be an extra base hit if it were Cedric Mullins leading off. Austin Hayes first pitch, yeah. he's probably going to check swing probably on a slider out of the zone swing. for a strike. If Austin Hayes isn't check swinging three times in that bat, it's not Austin Hayes you're watching. Yeah, he does And he has been phenomenal. He has been this, this year. He, he has he, been. You have got to keep him. By healthy. the way, you mentioned the juice ball earlier. I think that home run he hit last night was a product of that. That ball off the bat, when I watched it at the game, I thought that was a flyout. I thought he was going to get close to the warning track, but I thought it just kept carrying. It just I kept mean, carrying. From what I saw, on the t- as soon as he hit it, I said, oh, that's gone. Really? As, okay. as soon I, as he hit it. Maybe it was the angle I was at, but it did not look like a home run the, to me. The sound off the bat was freaking awesome. He threw the bat, too. It was amazing. The, the way it came off his bat, the trajectory of it off his bat, and his reaction, all this happened in a split second. 
my initial reaction was, oh, that's gone. And then I and maybe you were fooled by the outfielder because I was fooled a little Possibly. bit by the outfielder because I'm watching. I'm, it was Riley Green. Yeah. I'm watching him run back, and it looked like he had a beat he, on it. He, it you're, exactly. It looked like yeah. he had a beat on it, and then you, it was like, no. I'm, and I'm watching. I'm like, he hit the ball better than that for this ball to be called at the wall. And yeah. then I saw him start to pick up the pace and go for the leap, and it was like, no, that ball's gone. Um, yeah. I, I thought they were going to win that game one nothing, and it, it was well gone too. I mean, yeah. I, well, they were one out away from that. Uh, they yeah. were one strike away from that. Yeah. Javi Baez did his thing. Yeah. Javi Baez somehow, <laughs> some way. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. The Orioles, you know, you remember they won four games one to nothing last year. Yeah. And they had ten shutouts as a team yeah. last year. The bullpen was just so good last year. Yeah. The, the bullpen, the, you know what? Though? The bullpen's just as good this year so far. So and, far. And, and people don't realize that because the bullpen was so bad and so shaky to start the year, but that. Bullpen ERA last year, I think, was three four two. It was like three six five, I think, going into last night's game. To be honest, though, I think the bullpen should be good in April, should be good in May, should be good in June. It's those later months when they start to get more tired. They start to get a lot of innings under their belt that you, the, the Orioles held up last year. They've got to hold up this year. That's well, and, the big and, test. And see, the thing is, they've already, they're going into this in the last handful of games. They were third in baseball in innings yeah. pitch coming out of their bullpen this year. Yeah, that's got to change, but. That's also one of the reasons that you send down Cole Irvin. One of the reasons yeah. that, that you're giving these guys a little bit shorter release. So Brandon Hyde said, I can't keep taking my guys out in the fifth inning. Right now, you have potential for four straight starts of your starting pitcher going six innings or more. If Kyle Gibson comes out and does what we think he can do. What he's done pretty much all, all year. If Kyle Gibson goes six, seven innings today, and then you have Grayson Rodriguez tomorrow. I, I don't anticipate Grayson Rodriguez going more than five innings tomorrow. No, I don't either. But they have a really good opportunity here, and they have a really good chance with this rotation for that trend to continue. Yeah. Because um, I think that Kramer, Bradish, and Wells, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I think that they're that, – that, that Kramer really needed that start. Bradish, I expected it because I think Bradish is just nasty. Oh, yeah. I think Kyle Bradish – and this is my final thought – I think that Kyle Bradish is just absolutely nasty. For him to throw a shutout the other day, mm-hmm. I saw that coming. I saw it coming. Tyler Wells, you know Tyler Wells is giving you probably six innings of anywhere from no no run to three-run ball just about every time out. Dean Kramer's a wild card in there. He was really good down the stretch last year, and he was really good on uh, Tuesday. Is he going to continue that, or is he going to revert? I think that that's a game where I'm not it, confident in Dean Kramer right now. I, that, I, I can't. That's a start that gives that gives him confidence. Yeah, you know what I mean. And did you, the difference between 2021 Dean Kramer and 2023 Dean Kramer is in 2021 Dean Kramer never gave you any hint that even against the bad teams he could do what he did on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, right. Tuesday he looked like the 2022 version. He did. You know, yeah. and he never looked like that in 2021. So I. I think maybe he's the fifth best starter on this team, but okay. I think he's good enough to give you 150 innings of four-two baseball, okay. four, four two, a four-two ERA, yeah, type of thing. Um, Grayson, I'm telling you, man, he's going to be their best starter by the middle. I, of the I still think Bradish, I, Bradish or Wells, Bradish or Wells. They Bradish is so nasty, and Wells, it's not really the stuff for Wells. I mean, the changeup was really good last night. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, but uh, it's the whole package for Wells. I mean, the the intimidation factor of him being six seven, six eight, uh, six eight. The intimidation factor of having a fastball that's ninety five, ninety six out of a starter's hand consistently. Um, and then the changeup was really good. He doesn't walk guys. He doesn't walk guys. Throws strikes. Attacks hitters. A lot to love about Tyler Wells. I don't know. I, I still think Grayson is going to have a rough year for the most part. From what I've seen so far, 
so what, from what I've seen so far, I think there will be some growing pains for him. Yeah. But I'm not ready to say he will be their best starter. I think Kyle Bradish might even be in the long term better than Grayson Rodriguez. What we're wow. seeing right now, Kyle Bradish is excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and he has been for a, a long stretch now. There hasn't been a game for a while where we've said Kyle Bradish looks bad. He has been excellent. And there, I mean, Matt Blood, we heard him talk about it. I think he even said it on the show we he had did. him on that Kyle Bradish is right up there with those guys. Mm-hmm. Right up there. And he's showing it. Yeah. He's showing it. Is that your final thought, Kyle Bradish? Just the tits? <laughs> wow. We're, we're making some wild references on the show the past few weeks. Uh, but yeah, Ky- Kyle Bradish is. The is, cat's is, meow, the bee's knees. There you go. Cat's meow, bee's knees. He's, he's been excellent. And the stuff is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. If, as long as he keeps throwing strikes, he'll be fine. Yeah, he's, he's, he's really good. And, and honestly, you can make. It's funny because Kyle Gibson just looks like that guy where he nothing he does impresses you, but then he's got six innings of two-run ball under his belt. But he gets that fastball up there. It's like 94. He can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea he threw that hard. Yeah. So, look, Kyle Gibson might end up being your fourth or fifth best starter, and that's pretty damn good when you yep. look at when you look at this team as a whole. All right, thank you to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thank you for Dan Connolly to th- thank you to Dan Connolly for taking ten minutes out of his busy schedule to join us here on the Batteron. Thanks to Zach for all the work that he does producing and co-hosting the show. Thank you to our fans for lo- turn- tuning in and listening. AJ, we're looking at you, buddy, uh, for tuning in every week. <laughs> and thanks to our sponsors. Without our sponsors, without our fans, we do not have a show. And no thanks to me. This is a thankless job. So. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thank you to Paul Valley for, thank for putting you, on thank another you. fantastic show. Finally, finally, where's Miami? <laughs> well, you what's, what's if you look under that book, you've got a little present over there. So it wasn't for me, but uh, someone appreciates you. So there I, you go. Are these for me? I guess. I don't know. I, I don't want to take them. They don't have my name on them. Well, I got one too, so I don't know. But these these were here last week too. Oh, were they? Okay, then I don't know. I don't know if these are for me or not. I'll have to ask John if they're for me. That's cool. That's cool. Glory Day says some great food. Anyway, getting off on a tangent here again. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning into the Batroom. We'll see you next week. See ya!